You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. We know life is precious and your time is valuable, so thank you for making our show a part of your day. Hopefully we can return the favor by enhancing the grind of life just a little bit. You know, the Chompcast gives you double life experience Cha-ching! Every show, <laughs> every show is streaming and downloadable at the newly relaunched SwordChomp.com. We can find all sorts of our incredible content from our Patreon page to re- reviews written by the one and only Rich Meister, um, merchandise, and everything in between. SwordChomp.com, and of course, you can go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, every major podcast outlet. Head on over and please give us a kind five star rating, if you will. Subscribe, you know. Share the show with your friends. And remember, if you do go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash swordchomp, you can look for our special $5 VIP tier. We'll talk more about that later. Fans of Silent Hill 2 have discovered a shocking new detail about the game's intro sequence that casts it in a very disturbing light. Silent Hill 2 was released in 2001 and to this day is considered by many fans to be the best game in the franchise. We can argue about that later. Silent Hill 2 is an early <laughs> entry in the beloved horror franchise that fans have latched onto for years, and arguably the most famous aspect of the title is the inclusion of its terrifying monster, Pyramid Head, um, who after his first appearance in 2001 uh, went on to become an icon for the series, which I just, I was actually, when I made these notes, I was just thinking about Pyramid Head. Yeah. Now he's iconic in a really disturbing way. Um, the, distur- the disturbing side of icons. Even 19 years later, and six main series like Louis C.K. Game- <laughs> oh no, no, no! Uh, even 19 years later, and six main series games later, Silent Hill 2 is still cherished by fans all over the world, right? Um, but just because Konami isn't doing anything new with the game doesn't mean people have stopped enjoying it. It also doesn't mean that fans have stopped plumbing it for its secrets. Ah, plumbing it. And recently, it seems they found a big one. <sighs> but by I'm mostly just from plumbing my... Mario. <laughs> plumbing. No, they they plumb a lot in Bioshock too. <laughs> That's yeah. true. That's very true. Um, by brightening promotional images of the game's intro, fans have discovered something shocking, according to Kotaku. And this is true. If you're listening to this podcast right now, go Google this and check it out. Um, During a well-known scene where the protagonist, James, is seen staring at himself in the mirror, his reflection is actually looking straight back at you, the viewer, the player. This indicates that the character isn't actually studying himself and indulging in a moment of self-reflection as as we all thought, um, but that he is actually fully aware and looking at the player over his shoulder, completely breaking the fourth wall. Which is really creepy. And they only found this by lightening the image quality after all these years, 19 fucking years later. And it inspired the topic of the week. Secrets are really cool things in video games that have been discovered many, many, many years later and how they've impacted us or interesting cases that we've found and things that we just want, kind of wanted to talk about, including this story in particular, which is, is pretty cool and interesting because a lot of video games have those secrets buried within them that people don't find for a long, long time. Um, our Japanese correspondent gets his Ghost of Tsushima on, uh, Rich is taking on the new game of Blazeball, um, which is very complex and amazing, so we really got to talk about that. Um, we will be serving up death in the grande size in Necrobarista. And, uh, yeah, we have some thoughts on Shay finally finishing Darkest Dungeon. Is Kratos the ultimate PS4 icon? You voted on the Swordchomp Instagram. We had the results. Um, Midsummer. 
the incredibly polarizing horror film I wanted to talk to you guys about. It was one of our polls as well. Halo Infinite was delayed, which has been the buzz this whole week. And uh, we got a lot more to talk about as well. So let's get to some intros from New York. The one and only Rich Meister is here. And, uh, and on the theme of the topic, Rich, as far as things people might discover down the road 10 years from now, they'll find that you've secretly been in love with Death Stranding all along. And it was just a ruse. No. Um, you, oh, as, as Rich's legal correspondent here on the Chompcast, <laughs> I can say that... <laughs> With absolute certainty, um, we have, you know, checked all the documents, the scrolls, the legal binding contracts that no, he will never like that game. Met- Snake Eater is still very good. What? <laughs> That's the one you pick? Good Lord. My client will uh, not take any I'm more sorry, questions what? or comments. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you thank you, you know, it's going to be like, in t- <laughs> yeah, thank you for your legal correspondent, Shay. Um, how much are you paying Shay for this this legal work? Again, my client will no longer take any questions. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I, it's the whole reason he's part of the podcast, Shay. I got to ask him questions. That's oh, okay. why he's here. Okay, uh, Rich, are you comfortable answering this question? I don't believe uh, that under my attorney-client <laughs> privilege, uh, I am obligated to provide Morgan with that information. Okay, so no, sorry, he will not answer that question. <laughs> Uh, how about how about, how about I'll well, you, flip on them if you really want to know? Ooh, that's what she said. Hmm. Um, but that's thirty seconds that, of a plank for you. That my was a friend. pretty good. That was a pretty good one. You know, if you play this podcast back, maybe in ten years, you'll hear "I love Death Stranding." Uh, Rich, I got this just for you. You see this? See this? I don't. You should try and oh, it's a Moscow Mule. It's a Moscow Mule. That's yeah, right. but like it's pre-canned, man. Like have a hey, little hey, class, hey, make hey, it yourself. Hey, baby steps, baby steps. Okay, baby steps, Rich. He's uh, the true there. story. A true story. I am General Mountain Morgan here from Montana. The true story is when I went on my camping trip this past week. Um, my uh, it was just my family and my wife's mother, and she made a real Moscow Mule for me as well. Um, and Which are quite was, delicious. I guess you have to put those in a copper can. That's part of the thing, right? They it's a co- yeah. It's a copper like mug or something usually, or it typically it's it's copper uh, cups or mugs is the go to for that. Something about the copper like reacting with the ingredients. Is that true, or was that just a bunch? I of I think hogwash? it's supposed to make the uh, the ginger beer kind of like pop a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Like I'm not a fucking you know chemist or whatever i can't i can't tell you if that's true but that's what they say well it did t- and to be fair whatever brand this is, is called the copper can is actually really good the only issue she had whenever she made me one was she said that these ones are just a bit too strong they have like three and a half shots per one can and she was like no nah, they're they're a little too strong for my taste so let me make you one sounds yeah, a little so weak yeah so i've i have an answer uh to that question the cold metal insulates the temperature of the chilled ginger beer Keeping the cocktail cool and refreshing. I'm going to call bullshit on that. (laughs) Because copper is one of the fastest conductors of heat. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm just reading. It will feel really cold on your hands, though. So just holding the thing will be nice and refreshing. That's true. And here's the other thing that it said. The copper begins to oxidize when the vodka touches the walls of the mug, they say which slightly boosts the aroma and enhances the taste of the vodka. Again, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm reading from a website, but um, as we know, everything you read on the internet is true. It's true. 
and as we know, most vodka is distilled through the Statue of Liberty. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, so yeah, it is delicious, and I'm now on the Moscow Mule train. I don't normally drink during the show, so we'll see what happens. But thanks for being here, Rich. Uh, from Japan, we have the one and only Professor Layton. Shay Layton is here, and Shay, I have a serious question for you in your intro. If okay. I travel to Japan, will I find uh, a giant golden bird leading me to points of interest like strip clubs and such when I arrive. Unfortunately, you know, I was thinking about that actually today, funnily enough. No, but on my camping trip last weekend, because I also went camping, um, when I was playing in the ocean, uh, my friend and I were throwing a frisbee <laughs> around, and all of a sudden this eagle, or not eagle, sorry, I think it was an, um, an osprey, I'm, I'm not quite sure. It looked very similar to an awesome Some sort of raptor. Seahawk. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize Japan has so many different kinds of raptors and hawks. I was looking it up the other day. But anyways, it looked like an osprey, and that would make sense because they're more like aquatic-based raptors. But anyways, it just kind of descended or descended, ascended into the sky and was just kind of flying around us for a little bit. And then it kind of just flew off in the distance and landed on the ocean, was trying to get some food. And I was just sitting there watching it. And it was so fucking cool. And I, I just had this urge to go swim out into the ocean with it. And um, I didn't do that because uh, I don't have the stamina for that. You didn't fall for its siren song? That's right. It was a siren osprey. But yeah. uh, no, there are no golden birds, to my knowledge. Damn. That would be nice. How often do foxes lead you to shrines? Where's the, where's the, where's the, it's, yeah, because if that's not happening, then I'm going to call bullshit on this game, all right? It's not historically, no, I, you know, that I'm pretty sure there are foxes here. The only foxes I've seen are, um, there's this little Sexy. shopping district in my city, and there are some eccentric characters that go there, and this one guy brought his, uh, fox one day, and he was, uh, holding this fox, and we got to pet this fox. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say the only foxes I've seen are the foxy Japanese ladies. You know, is that gonna be tough for you to cut? Uh, actually, no one else was talking, so that's real easy. Um, I think that goes without saying, Morgan. I think that goes without saying. Goes without saying. All right, so yeah, uh, that's cool. We'll talk about some uh, some Japanese games. That's one of those reasons why I was excited for you to like one day play Persona Five because I wanted to see how many little things you'd be like, hey. You know, this is I this is I see this every day in Japan or like this is kind of like I, you know Yeah, I do like now that I've played some Ghost, I actually am even more interested in playing Persona Five for that exact reason. Um anyways, thanks for being here, Shay, the professor, and of course from Michigan, the one and only Jimmy Wrestler, Joshua Fowler is here. Uh Josh, an update uh, for all of our patrons who have signed up and are part of the top secret Instagram page and have seen your uh, you're a little. You have a creature living with you, some sort of um, rodent that you. Those have are his nurtured. kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Those very rude. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what a jerk. Wow. I know. You know our friendship is now strained. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you, if they, so you have like some sort of mouse that you found and you've been nursing back to life. What's the story here? We were in the kitchen and the dog starts. Freaking out, sniffing around under the sink. And uh, so we decide mm-hmm. to open the door and uh, get, you know, prepared to get whatever's under there, freaking the dog out so much. Um, 
And anyway, kind of hiding over in the corner uh, is just the tiniest little peanut-sized mouse that was either mm. carried there and left oh. or managed to climb his way in there. And Anyway, this little mouse, little deer mouse, was abandoned under our sink and uh, didn't have his eyes open or anything yet, so figured that it would not make it if we just put him back out, so figured we'd try to nurse him back to health, or, well, it wasn't really in bad health, but keep him in good health. Uh, Into health. Until he's ready to go off on his own. Sounds like you rustled one too many jimmies in your house. Okay. You were left with a Remy. <laughs> it, is, it is interesting that you did. I didn't, you know, know that that was something. Like, I figured you guys would just kind of put it out. Maybe, you know, the... the well, the plan was the to just let it out, but since it didn't even have its eyes open, it yeah. wasn't even weaned yet. It wouldn't make it, it do? on its own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be cruel to do that. Yeah, to no. It, the first thing it did as soon as I picked it up uh, was just start licking my hand and seeing if it could find, like, any little folds of skin on my hand there that it could uh, Cheat. latch yeah. on to. Yeah, and uh, just see if there was anything it could nurse. But now you're attached and you can't get rid of it, so you're fucked, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> now it's a pet. <laughs> That's cr- when does it cross the pet threshold? At what point? I think he's there. I think he's there at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. That's pretty funny. Well, that's cute. I guess we'll have to have the ongoing. What'd you name it? Mm, Cardi. Five old Mausgowitz. Like Cardi B? No, Cardi, and this is the best. I have no idea. Apparently, my kid has some sort of synesthesia or something going on because he saw this mouse and said it looked like a word in a uh, really greeting card or in a, in a birthday card that he had in his room. And uh, so he wanted to name the mouse Cardi because it looked like a word. I figured your child was channeling Miles O'Brien from the Star Trek franchise. Those damn bloody Cardies. And I <laughs> figured that's what you're going I, for. That joke. That's I, such I, a ridiculously specific reference. <laughs> so specific. Nobody got it but Rich, goddammit. But he got it. He got it. No, Josh got it too. Josh got it too. Here's the thing. Like, like Morgan is with The Office is how I am with Star Trek. I just don't talk about Star Trek every conversation and every week. Because I know you guys would be like, fuck Star Trek at this point. Well, it's not. I don't think. So. Hmm, I'm gonna I say don't talk about kind of... Star Trek a lot because then I'd have nothing to talk to my dad about when I see him. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gotta uh, save that up for holidays. Yeah, exactly. But like, so you, you see, you see Picard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, The Office is nice because it's just something a lot of people can relate to. But yeah, Star Trek is. I love Star Trek, but it's yeah, very specific. So it's hard, a lot of those things. It's not everyday situations you're going to run into that you can always make correlations to. Um, I will say, though, what's sad thing, though, Josh, thinking about your little mouse. Uh, oh, my Lord. That's okay, Josh. He had the backup audio. He just sent us the alarm. Didn't mm-hmm. record the intro. Woo-woo. Yep. That's, That's okay. All right, That's everybody fine. bring it back to one. Let's do that again. <laughs> Three, two, one. How's the mouse, Josh? No. Josh, knowing Josh, he could like literally fake an entire conversation with himself and he could probably pull it off. So <laughs> he's done that before. There he's was that time he re recorded your audio. That's what I'm that, saying. That, that was the most before. surreal experience. 
I love everything about that, though. It's so fantastic. <laughs> I need to go because... back and listen to that episode, actually. Just it's that insane. Intro. It is well, the most... Uh... I still vote for an episode where we record it, but then we all send each other uh, our, our audio and files, and one it. of us, yeah, we like we just rotate dub one over right. exactly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and release that version to patrons. Uh, it did make me think of how sad it is that so many like like the way the natural order of life works is that so many baby creatures are sort of designed to die like yeah like so many if alone like, yeah yeah no it's like crazy. We, were, we were looking this up or like trying to figure out how to take care of it because we had a bird's nest over one of the front porch lights that fell down mm-hmm. in a storm and uh we tried to take care of them like kind of get them back in the nest and convince the parents to come back and take care of them but they just were too spooked yeah at that point so we didn't want to lose even more animals after trying to take care of them again so we were it's looking traumatic. up how to yeah. take care of this mouse not and, if uh, you can do something to prevent it. Yeah, looking up how to take care of this mouse. But anyway, finding out that it's super common. Like, mice are terrible parents because mm-hmm. they will, if, they, if there's not enough food, they'll just abandon them. Oh, if there's sure. really not enough food, they'll eat them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, well, and what's even, yeah. And so, what's yeah, this up thing about, being abandoned yeah. in, our, in our house is, is not, not an outlier for no. mice. I, no, no, no. A lot of smaller mammals, like, because they are so small and the and like how quick their uh digestive systems work and everything they have they have to eat so often um that they like they they don't have any time to fuck around so if mm-hmm. like there's no food around they're like you know I'm cutting my losses I can have it's more like babies. junior junior starting to look a little tasty right yeah That's dude crazy. like it's crazy like yeah. I th- I remember in college learning um I believe there is a shrew species or a vole species in Montana that will eat upwards to a thousand times a day. Um, and it's just like, it is constantly moving. Like mm-hmm. it, like it does not stop moving until it goes to bed. And the thing is too, like their, their lifespans are so short that they don't have a lot of time to fuck around. You know, like it's, I have a year to live. I have one good breeding season. I got to make the most of it. And that's it, you know? Like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in that movie. <laughs> what movie is that? Oh I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> oh, the he summer has, one? Yeah, summer. yeah. Is that the one where he has leukemia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a hunk. Uh, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least I'm glad he's sexualizing a man for once. Mm-hmm. You know, I actually, yeah, I agree. But, like, he didn't put as much effort into it. Um, right? Like, like he, he could have swung in the other direction. But like when it's a man, oh, what a hunk. Anyways. Well, let me, let me try I expected again. him to swing oh, in the other direction and say something about Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Let me, let me try to get see, What a hunk. Ow. Is that oh, okay? Huh. Hmm. I don't like whatever that was. I Let's don't know on. why you're imitating a garbage disposal. Mm. If that's what you want to call it, um... My throat. It, I don't want to call it anything. Anyways, the, the what I was just getting at was that uh, yes, like Shay was uh, was giving us facts on. Yeah, it's crazy. It's not crazy that so many of the animals are sort of intended to die, which is is sad. But that like other species sort of rely on those <laughs> on the death. Like there's mm-hmm. all those creatures that eat baby sea turtles. That's a big part of their survival and their diet is their to eat stick. all those. 
Yeah. It, it's weird. It's just fucking... Nature's crazy. crazy. Mm-hmm. Nature is crazy. Um, no segue to Silent Hill, but that's okay. Yeah, we... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Silent Hill is crazy, but that's just stupid. Um, it is, though. It it's is a little crazy. Mm-hmm. What is pretty crazy is that someone found that. this. It's been too long. Silent Hill 2? Is, what's the best and easiest way to play Silent Hill 2? I was thinking about Probably that. Probably PS2 uh, discs. So those things what, are yeah. like more common than There's sand. HD versions out in, on the HD PS3 remastered? at the very least. On the Probably. PS3, at least. Another way you can do that, actually, is um, if you use your hands to pick up a controller. And no way. You no use way. This isn't going to work. thumbs to press the buttons and the joystick while your eyes are fixated on the screen to which the game is uh, being projected on. And you move around and you interact with that game via your hands and your eyes. That is probably one really easy way to play that game. This is like when I asked Shay a question, and he's like, have you heard of Google? I'm like, oh, forgive me for trying to talk to my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like you weren't, you had to be in the moment. I didn't want to talk to you. Um, <laughs> there is a, there is an HD collection on PS3 and Xbox 360. Oh, that's cool. It's, it just sucks. You probably can't play that on your PS4. Yeah. Maybe your PS4. No, you, you definitely can. Easy way to find those. We were mentioning Chrono Cross the other day, and apparently they do still have the, you can get nine Origins and Chrono Cross still. They still have copies of that. You can just order oh, right from Oh, that's what I mentioned yeah. to Morgan. Yeah, they reprinted those games yeah. about a year ago, and you could still order them off the website. Yeah, they're all yeah, 15 bucks for the original yeah. disc. Just Damn, I printed recently. That. You should. I would recommend. That's a great way to do it. Yeah. Especially yeah, Origins, because that's got... Well, what? I say I Origins. I PlayStation 1 Origins was PS4. Final Fantasy V and VI with... New Isn't six stuff? basically unplayable in some ways on that version? Yeah, they had it. There is a there is a platform thing in like this. Yeah, you and I talked about this cave recently. That was tied to clock cycle, and they didn't realize it was tied to clock cycle. And now the platforms move too fast to actually walk across them. So uh, yeah, you get very very close to the end of the game, and then you and then just, you can't you proceed. can't beat it, um, which is yeah. which is I'm great hunt, ridiculous. I'll hunt down a Chrono Trigger because anyway. I. Uh... I want to I want to check it out, but yeah. So basically, that was the what inspired the topic was someone found uh, this weird thing, and the interesting thing is, th- people might just be stretching. It's sort of it's almost right now. It's sort of in that weird place where people like want it to be weirder than it is because it hasn't really been. Oh, good job, Josh. Go buy Chrono Cross. Yeah, I'm gonna um, buy that and we'll stream it. It'll be really yeah. Fun. There we go. Um, I probably will too. And then. Yeah, fuck you. Let me lose my train of thought. Oh, but yeah, so the it hasn't actually even been confirmed by uh, Konami as something they did intentionally, but it is because of the nature of that game. It's a really creepy thing that people are having a lot of fun with, but it made us think about all those secrets you find in games much later on. Um, Josh, when I was doing research today, I thought you and Rich would find this particularly amusing. There was an entire side quest in Final Fantasy IX that people did not find for like 13 years. Do tell. Um, it involves the Nero, the Nero brothers in that game. And okay. the reason it was so obscure and difficult to find was because the guide that came out for that game at the time was so awful. It was oh, legendary. Well, that bad. was the first that was the first one that ruined the Prima Vista guides mm-hmm. where you went out and purchased a guidebook and there'd be like a paragraph and then like for more, visit the online portal. 
Yes, yes. There's exactly. there's no information in that book. Yeah, like it's, none at it's all. It's terrible. They just it's have terrible. a bunch of screenshots. It's yeah. Which is interesting why in an era where that stuff was starting to fade, there were a lot of online rumors about secret stuff in Final Fantasy IX. Just like Yeah. There were rumors about, and I remember as a kid trying to do it for a long time, that first fight against the first Black Waltz, about beating it uh, without, I think, beating the Sea Lion first. Yes. Um, before the Black Waltz, and you'd unlock, like, some kind of weapon or skin or something for Zidane and Dali. But it's like, you have to grind so hard. It's almost impossible to beat the Sea Lion before the Black Waltz, and then you get yeah. nothing for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. Well, the funny thing so about this is... So many of those that- were like that. Like, a lot of them... Yeah, there were so many amazing rumors during that generation. Yeah, yeah for, but, it, but the thing is, like, there I'm not going to break down the specifics of it because it'll bore people. But there were 16 points of advancement on this quest. It was very difficult. It involved the Nero brothers. You should look it up. It's interesting. Final Fantasy Nine, and all you got at the end of it was a protect ring. A protect ring. You can just buy a protect ring. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Oh. But the point that that made it interesting was that you got to learn more about these Nero brothers and it was sort of like just the Nero cool brothers thing. are very small characters in that game. So that yes. is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It digs more into that. And like, it's just, it's just, I think the fascination of it became more than like the actual reward itself, which th- was pretty. I know. think it's fair to say that that little side story arc about the Nero brothers was far mm-hmm. from enjoyable. But Far from enjoyable it was. <laughs> ah, what's next? Uh, all right, so <laughs> I, mean, I knew I knew that fun. I knew that was gonna kill that whole discussion. I apologize. I'm glad it did because it was still pretty good. He, Thank you. Thank the, you. the conversation killer. Um, but yes, uh, so that was an interesting one that I found. And there's a there's the rich. I thought you think this one was interesting. There, Calendar Man, Batman. You remember mm-hmm. that whole thing? I, do I remember Calendar Man? Yes. There was, uh, it took three years for people to discover this in Arkham City. There's a Calendar Man in Arkham City. You have to actually set your PlayStation uh, to the date uh, that Rocksteady Studios was created. They became a studio. Yeah. And then whenever you go to talk to Calendar Man in the game, he would give you clues and information about Arkham Knight, which they hadn't even released yet, but were you know going to release, which is yeah, no, that's that's an interesting one, just because they programmed a lot of stuff into Calendar Man in that game in terms of like going to see him on holidays and even have different dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So people kind of messed around with that, but it took them three years to find, which is pretty cool. But I, I, I was, I just if- enjoy the first game where he mutters to himself like an insane person. It like I literally think his one dialogue block through in the first game is you pass him and he's just like thirty days has September. April, June, and November. <laughs> All the rest have 31. Just a mumbling man. Um, anyways, so I was wondering if there was any that stuck out to you guys that you were particularly memorable for you, and if not, that's fine. I, there's there's more that I found there. I have one really good Pokemon one. Shay, you mentioned that there was one related to... My favorite game particular, of all time. Which is what? What game is your favorite game of all time? Uh, Death Stranding. <laughs> well, man you got my Psych. attention alright I'm listening <laughs> no uh, Shining Force for the Sega Genesis and I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about that game well too fucking bad um, no so um, obviously you guys know I've played that game so many times and um, I recently discovered this it's um, I don't know how common knowledge it is but in the 
PAL version of that game, there were some items left in the game that the developers had put in the game and they were planning to use those items, but they never did. Um, so you can actually go into the game find in the PAL version, that is, and find these items that are like extremely, extremely difficult to find unless you have a guide next to impossible to when you find say them. PAL version for people that don't know what that means. What are you talking about? PAL version? You don't know what yeah. that means? No, I'm, I'm for our listeners. Like, let's say they're listening and they have no idea what you're talking about. No, I'm asking you. Do you know what that means? I thought that the PAL version would be like the uh, like the original Japanese version. Not quite. So they're these versions that are made for other areas, not just Japan. It'd be like Europe or Australia. Um, oh, okay. Gotcha. Like gotcha. other areas. Um, there are other areas besides those two in Japan as well. Uh, but anyways. Not non-American. Yes. Well, not U.S., I should say. Not U.S., yes, yes. Um, but anyways, so you can find these really difficult to find items, and they have absolutely no value. You can't sell them. They're completely useless. But they had like they actually had little icons that were designed. They're these cool, designed, unique weapons and everything in the game, and just they ended up not getting used. So it's just like one of those things that I stumbled across recently. I was like, you know, it is my favorite game of all time, and I talk about it so much. I should know more about this game. You know, like I don't know when it was officially released, um, who the director was, stuff like that. So I started doing some research one day and I found that out that like years later, uh, people, um, I don't know if hacked is the correct word. They got into the, uh, coding of the PAL version and they found, uh, these useless items that were never officially used. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, because it's like your favorite game, so you want to sort of be like a, a little bit of a historian on it. Like right, otherwise. yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's really cool because I like it makes me wonder, I'm sure like many other older games have been um, hacked or broken into like that, and a lot of secrets have been found, but it just makes me curious as to what certain games are still hiding, and that's kind of why we're talking about about it now, like certain things that have, haven't been found in some of those really old games that we all know and love. Um, like if there's like a secret hidden materia in Final Fantasy VII that ended up never getting used, and you could somehow find that by like hacking it's into the coding of that buried game. Buried in the code somewhere yeah. unaccessible to the player. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like things like that, and I think that'd be really cool, and I think that it's really cool that we're in an age now where people are becoming more knowledgeable to where these things can be found. Yeah, that's cool. That's actually really cool. There is a, uh, I think you guys might find this one pretty interesting too. Um, there is a monster in Bloodborne that took three years to discover. It was, this, they have those randomly generated chalice dungeons in that game. Yeah. And it's, it's RNG, but there's so many people playing that game and playing those dungeons. But it took three years for someone to spot this monster. It was called a flaming undead giant. And it was first shown, I believe, on like an early demo they had, like a presentation demo before the game was out. So people knew it existed. And they were like, but people oh, just weird. thought it never made it into the game. Yeah. 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 They thought it was just cut from the game. And then somebody spotted it on there, which that would be fucking crazy that these people, I was spotted by a group of like Chalice Dungeon Hunters, like a very well-known group. Yeah, they're they're random, but there are also codes for them. So it's, they're not actually random. They're just, they've already been pre-programmed, but um, it's just like a huge number of them. So these guys went through essentially trying all the possible dungeon codes 
combinations. To, yeah, yeah, all the possible combinations to see if they could find anything. So there were codes. I don't yeah, so you could. The yeah, codes. there were codes that you could use to like uh, uh, do the same dungeon as someone else. If you like found one you really liked and wanted to see if you could run it again, could, yeah, could do it or or run it again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I, it makes me wonder if, like, for example, if a game that had a really good trailer at an E3 conference, and then when they released the game, the game wasn't as advertised, it wasn't as beautiful, if they could, if people could actually hack into the code and find that beautiful original game that was shown. Um, you know, it'd be like, just off the top of my head, like, it'd be really cool if, like, there was a space ex- exploration game that was advertised real like to be this fantastical gorgeous game um that they could hack into the code and find that original game wow that's crazy what a unique thing yeah just you can't, un, un, you can't un, see my face right now but it's just all the lucky. joy and life has been absorbed no that would be cool if there was an actual way to get to that one beach level from the demo yeah that would um, actually be cool and the, in the early No Man's Sky, I mean, it probably exists somewhere, but it was it was just a demo of area fabricated for. I always yeah. thought it was cool if the center of the universe was actually Earth. Like if you got to the end of that game and the very last planet you got to was actually Earth, even though that mm, sounds narcissist. Crazy. I was gonna say I would probably be like, "Well, that's stupid." Just kind of like a fun thing, like saying, "Oh, I appreciate what you got, you piece of shit." Um, that's me. I'm the piece of shit who doesn't appreciate what he's got. Yeah, no, we uh, got that. Uh, you know what's weird? My I can still hear you guys just fine. My Skype is fine. So, but like, you, the little bubble of Skype where I see you guys is working great. But like, the actual Skype I have is completely pooted out. So cool, whatever. wonderful. Um, yeah, it's weird, but it's fine. It hasn't affected anything, so that's good. But yeah, was there before I get to my Pokemon one here? Did you, Josh and or Rich? Did you guys have any that you can mention, or were you just riffing? I off have. Um, I had two in mind. Okay. Uh, one really quick i always just thought this was interesting because it's a thing people knew about but it took years to find Uh um when uh a link to the past was in development nintendo power had a contest this would have been like early 90s i think it would have been 1990 they had a contest for a reader to have their name put in a link to the past (laughs) um but the the guy who won, nobody could ever find his name. And apparently what happened was the room that they put a plaque with his name on in it was actually inaccessible. Like, that wasn't done on purpose. It was an accident. So, like, ten years later in, like, the early aughts, uh, people figured out a way to get Glitch Link into the room and they found the plaque. I think his name was Chris Hulian, the Chris Hulian room or whatever. That sounds right. I don't. I yeah. just remember the basics of the story, but uh, yeah, that's fucked up. Like you think you won this amazing contest, and like sorry, but we he did. Off there here. was there was a goof. Yeah, he's in there. Uh, and the other one was this has been recently a part of that uh, big sort of Nintendo info leak that happened uh, yeah. for years. People talking about potentially playing as Luigi in Mario sixty four. And then we finally found the source code to, you know, like at one point it was probably planned because there's a full character model for Luigi buried in the source code of that game. Mm -hmm. Do people like Luigi? Everyone likes Luigi. He's the one that's more of a character than Mario. Okay. Is that Luigi's mansion? Well, Mario, the thing is, Morgan, I'll always stand by this. Mario is purposefully a blank slate. Like, he's a nothing of a character. Luigi has a personality, and I think he's more endearing because of that. Well, and Mario's gorgeous. No one can attain that level of beauty. You know, like, as a man, Yeah, I'm like sorry. You know, this is the standard. You may not like it, but this is what the perfect male body looks like. It, it's difficult. It's difficult. Uh-huh. 
Usually I say that when I send someone a picture of the Grimace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Grimace. Uh, it reminds me of those weirdly delicious McDonald's cookies I used to get when I was a kid. Remember those? Those little plastic bags. I can't even tell you how long. Like I couldn't tell you what a McDonald's cookie tasted tastes like. Why would you I don't do think that I've to had yourself? one in twenty five years. To look back fondly on the cookies when you could look back fondly on the deep fried apple pies, which are still mm. good. Man, the baked ones really. Oh, well, why they would used you to be look ba- fondly on those cookies and that deep fried apple pie <laughs> when you could look back fondly on the Shamrock Shake? The true value of McDonald's. What's a oh. shamrock shake? You don't know what a shamrock shake is? Is it a green shake? I'm well, guys. Well, I, I quit. Green, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm alarmed to find out what made it green. Was it just food coloring and it tasted like vanilla? Or something? It was a mint shake. It was not a mint. Oh, get it's a the shamrock fuck out of here. shake, motherfucker! You don't eat mint. Mint is for kissing. What? What? You don't eat mint. <laughs> what do you mean mint is for kissing? What does that mean? Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Podcast name, mint is for kissing. <laughs> you want to drink mouthwash while you're at it? I don't understand. The Those are not the same thing. <laughs> oh god. Jesus sorry, Christ, you sorry. absolutely eat mint. There are so many fucking... Fan. You never had mint, mint chocolate chip ice cream? eat it. It just free. I just, as a kid, I've always associated mint with like toothpaste and mouthwash and got, cleaning things. You got put in which time you hate out being clean for so. several hours, for several years for eating toothpaste, didn't you? And this is just stuck <laughs> somehow. Um, I don't know, man. That's just is that weird <laughs> to think that way. Is that unusual to think? You know? Yes. Now you got me wondering. Um, <laughs> 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 you got me really want to have to do it. That's fascinating. I didn't realize that was a weird thing until you guys all looked at me like that. Uh, those are good ones, Rich. Uh, Josh, did you have any that came to mind, or do you need me to jump in here? Um, I mean, some, some of them, like, early WoW, they had built this huge world, and you couldn't get to most of it. And there, it was a ton mm-hmm. of fun trying to find ways to get to a lot of it. Um, they had just, like, you know, hidden little bits and zones you couldn't get to and they had stuff like like Captain Placeholder um who was just Captain like the best NPC ever um in early WoW and so I'm still partial partial to the genie that was named after Robin Williams. <laughs> mhm. <laughs> uh yeah, that's those are some like some they didn't have to be like famous ones, but things that you remember are interesting, like things that change or things you discovered. Like, you know, even if mm-hmm. it's I was trying to think about like non-famous ones, but like things that I just discovered many years later that I thought were really cool to me, which which were kind of interesting in of themselves. But I think the yeah, the big one for me was hands down uh in 2003 it was first reported that you could actually get Mew in Pokémon Blue and Red. Um, and if you remember when we were kids, there was all these that was weird a rumor things for people... forever. So many, yeah, people, so many yeah. rumors about how to do that. Did you guys, I, I don't know, I always wonder if it's like a local, like this version of the rumor, the one about like, you have to do this thing with Mewtwo and then it's under the car in Vermont. Yeah, the truck, under the, the truck, truck by the truck. boat. Yeah. The truck, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. 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 Yep. Everyone had that one. Yeah. yeah and you would, I did hours. They're like, 
every everybody with all the internet and all of our friends trying all that crazy shit, and it was just not possible. And then in 2003, someone was like, yeah, there actually is a way to glitch and get Mew. And I remember yeah. I first saw it on YouTube, went home to my apartment of friends at the time, and was like, I'm going to try this. Pulled mm-hmm. out my old-ass Game Boy, did the entire thing because I did not think it was going to work, and lo and behold, I sat there with a Mew on the same cartridge I played as a kid thinking, I could have had – it was there the whole time. It's you wild, could've... yeah. It's yeah. fucking It makes crazy. sense, though, because like, whenever you're forcing the, the Pokemon into invalid um, data, because the, like, all the old games, everything random – could not be done random. That is way too intensive of a process. So all yeah. those old games, the randomness is based off of button presses and encounters and stuff like that to make it feel like it's random, but it's not actually. It's not real mm. RNG. Yeah. yeah. And which is how you could force yourself to encounter the, the missing number. Um, yes. Yeah. Which also, in that same, that same process, you could force yourself to encounter any other Pokemon with just minor tweaks. To uh to the yep. sequence, um, which is kind of wild, yeah. It, yeah, it's fucking because it's basically it's like you're saying it's not RNG, it's all a logic, a line of logic, basically. If this, yeah. then that. Yeah, like the way you had to get Mew. I don't remember the specific details, even though I was looking up before the show. But like the basics where you had to like fight these specific people on the Nugget Bridge, talk to this guy, go to this patch of grass next to the the cave where Mewtwo is. Like, and you had to do it all at the beginning of the game. Um, and yeah. it was just like, and it worked great. And it, no, no weird codes or anything. No down, down, up, but be nothing weird. And I was sitting with a Mewtwo. I was like, <laughs> I was like twenty something years old, staring at my Game Boy in my apartment with my friends, my bunch of stoner loser friends. And I'm just like, the fuck, this has been here the whole time. Like, I, I would have been the coolest kid in the entire world if I had somehow found this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a matter of some. The weird thing is to me, like how somebody figured that out, like. I guess eventually somebody being like, oh my God, I ran into Mewtwo in the grass, or Mew in the grass. But like, how did they retrace their exact steps? How did they figure out? Well, ex- that's not how they figured it out. They were looking at the code and like yeah. breaking down those lines of logic. Yeah. A lot oh, of, yes, yes, probably, of course. If they I had to guess, okay. it was probably less looking for Mew. It was probably the speedrunning community because they have done a lot of stuff with reverse engineering how the RNG works in those old games to like. And looking at every plausibility, and yeah. then they found that in this instance, this will make Mew appear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a ton of runs like that for the original Legend of Zelda in order to force an enemy to drop, like, Triforce pieces and shit um, yeah. by, by yeah. doing the same thing. Um, so they were probably just trying to figure out, okay, is there some way we can, like, get the Poke Flute early or something so we can move on or in order to cut, yeah, cut a bunch of time off to of cut there. the speed. Yeah, yeah that's true. Probably. Oh, uh, Morgan, interestingly enough, you just reminded me of one, actually. I was thinking about the other day, uh, one of these, as I was, uh, I've told you guys I was replaying Chrono Trigger, uh, just for the hell of it. Uh Um, And a lot of people probably know this. There's like about a million different points in Chrono Trigger where you could technically end the game by trying to fight Lavos early. And I think one of the first ones I discovered as a kid is probably my favorite um in one of the early chapters there's a small plot point where this random kid in a village gets an item called the hero's badge and everyone in the village now thinks he's like this legendary hero who's supposed to save the world and if you go back to the millennial fair at that point 
The kid shows up thinking he's the hero destined to defeat Lavos, <laughs> and he gets fucking killed. <laughs> uh, uh, it would be, it would be really cool to compare the things between those two games. The only thing that scares me about them, even though I find it all interesting, is just how much of a time suck is that. That's what worries me a little bit. Because, uh, but it's hard yeah. to remember like so did, how long. I don't recall that being a very long game cr- Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger game? is not a very long game I was thinking it was like 25-30 cr- hours something like yeah. that yeah Chrono Cross is about 60 hours but it assumes you're going to play it about three times to yeah, get every so plot many point different characters and and you cannot get everything stuff. on one yeah. run it, it essentially wants okay. you to play it three times yeah, I do remember with Chrono Cross in particular, like a lot of those characters I would have never found if I didn't have a guide or something. Well, and there's so many that require very specific things, like to get certain abilities for characters and recruit certain characters, you have to generally act like a bad person in spots. Like, do things. If you play Chrono Cross, just save yourself some trouble and do it with a guide. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, if you want all the characters for sure, because you'll see cool characters. And it's, like, not, you know. yeah, it's not even just about having the character, it's about seeing everything there is to see, because yeah. you'll miss yes. out on some of the coolest, like, side quests side quest and plot beats if you, there's so much missable stuff in that game. Like, I, easily I happy, missable. I was happy to see, even though I haven't bought it yet, I, I was surprised Josh didn't have Chrono Trigger on his Steam library, I was like, damn it, Josh, the one game I was Well, no, I didn't, for. because like Rich was saying earlier, it was originally a terrible port, so I didn't buy it, but apparently... They improved it a lot, it's bad. very yeah. good now, like, that's yeah, what I was so specifically not, saying. I didn't yeah. buy it, because it, at the, when it first came out, and I would have bought bad. it, it was, yeah, it was pretty like, bad. Like, I only bought it, like, two weeks ago, because I was... As we got talking about it, I'm like, I kind of want to play Chrono Trigger, and I did my research and found out that that Steam port is now pretty mm. good. Well, it has the cutscenes and everything from the P- PlayStation version, which is cool. Um, yeah, it has bonus. a lot of that stuff in that PlayStation version was put in to um, tie it to Chrono Cross more closely, interestingly the, enough. The thing that made me the most happy, because I love the soundtrack in Chrono Cross, was like I heard that main theme from Chrono Cross in Chrono Trigger, which I know is the backwards way to hear it. I was yeah, like, yeah. that do 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 there's some really great remixes of like Chrono Trigger tracks in Chrono Cross. Yeah, uh, yeah. Chrono Cross adds sound music. I don't think as much. That's a uh, music-wise. That's a vinyl I missed out, and I'm currently on the waiting list for is the the Chrono Trigger Chrono Cross uh, compilation that Matsuo combo put out. combo vinyl. It's like yeah. Matsuo's select tracks from both games. Uh, yeah, and I remember Chrono Cross being very tropical, which I liked at the time. Like a lot of the locations were very bright and tropical. Yeah, it's very. It takes place on an archipelago. It's and well, depending on which reality you're in, it's very bright. And other times, it's not is, so great. Is Chrono Trigger not that way? Is it like darker a little? Chrono yeah. Trigger is the ha- way more upbeat game. Chrono Cross is very dark. I meant location wise. Is it like still the same? Yeah, kind it's of pretty thing? upbeat. There are a couple. Areas the that future is really the area that's... Yeah, like places that yeah. after Lavos has, you know, destroyed Come. the world, um, the, you, you get yeah. to visit that area, and that's, that's not so upbeat, but for the most part... The Except for when is, you're talking to Robo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just a joy. Maybe I, should, maybe I should just get a... I don't know. You can't get Chrono Cross anywhere else besides a PlayStation 1. You can't get Chrono Cross on Steam, so... You can like, get Chrono Cross on your PS3 or your Vita. You have a Vita, oh, right? Man. 
Fuck. Well, I did have a Vita, but I sold it. If to I was going, like, druggy. if I was going to play Chrono Cross, that is one hundred percent the way I would play it. Is probably well, actually, oh, I might, with, yeah, I might buy with, that disc and just do it on a PS One. Games of that length are better when you can just kind of play them in bed and stuff because there's, yeah, I don't know, it's time consuming, which is tough. But. You can feel like you're relaxing while you're actually like painstakingly playing a very complicated RPG. Yeah, exactly. It's like, or you can just watch Josh stream it. Twitch.com slash yeah, If I apparently I went there, they've got it listed, and then out. you go there to buy it, <gasps> and then they and tell you, out. and then they tell you it's sold out once you go to put Those it in your cart. Yeah. yeah, Square's website's a little backwards like that. Yeah. That's what happened to me with the vinyl of Chrono. But for that, they did at least say they are making more of it, so I was able to put myself on a waiting yeah. list. Yeah, I yep. think the. Uh... Chrono Cross was not there. The other two were still available. Those those they still had as an option to put in your cart. Although again, what, what other two games did they reprint? Uh, nine and uh, Origins, which is five and six. Which Ooh, I might want to rebuy. I don't know Wait. if I have my original copy of Nine lying around. I might want to rebuy that. The, the one that comes with Cruncher comes with Final Fantasy Four too, which is pretty cool with redone cutscenes. It's Final Fantasy Four and Chrono Trigger. It's a combo. They I didn't believe. have that as an option to Is buy. Is that not what they're selling? No. Okay. So, so there's just a straight Unless, up regular that, ass version of that wasn't. Was that PS One? That would have been PS One. Yeah, they don't have that one on there. To, that to is the only one I saw. I didn't know there was another. one. Well, Chrono Trigger is not originally a PS One game. You're probably not looking at a reprinting recently. You know, like the original ones I see are yeah, all. Yeah. No, they had Final Origins, which was five and six, and then I remember that one you're talking about the head. Four and Chrono Trigger, but I can't remember what that one's called. eBay too. eBay has some. Yeah, that's going to be way more expensive than the than the fifteen bucks if they ever reprint this thing again. But um, yeah, yeah, they uh, hmm. yeah Chrono Trigger. If you got a mom and pop joint, check that out. That's what Mm -hmm. I usually go to. Like music goes a long way for me with those older games because you know. They're so dated that if the music's nice, it's like, okay, well, at least I'm here. Well, I'll, I'll say at least, like, my my main plug for Chrono Cross is that I do, while I do think the story is a, a ridiculous mess, the music is fantastic, and the combat is some of the best of PS1 RPGs of that time. Mm-hmm. I want to go back and play a PlayStation JRPG that I still, I find, like, my adult brain picks those games apart in a way that's frustrating, so it'd be nice to find some that hold up. Um... Like even seven, eight. Like I don't think they're like they're important games. I love those games, but going back and playing them, it's like yeah, they're they're pretty silly at times. So, but I don't remember them that way. I remember them. I remember them being very like not silly because I was sixteen years old. That's the fucked up thing about life, right? Um, but they're pretty ludicrous. You now, granted, Chrono Cross maybe is the exception. Maybe Chrono Trigger is the exception. I don't know. Maybe I'm just more. Chrono Cross uh, is not the exception. I promise you. That's that. true. It's probably even more ludicrous. The story is incomprehensible, and I like. I almost couldn't tell you a single thing that happens in that game because it's so all over. Uh, the I remember place. turning into a cat for some reason halfway <laughs> through it. Wrong. Your dad's friend turns into a cat. Oh, okay, okay. Idiot. That's huh. even weirder. Well, I remember giant frogs talking to me. I don't know why, but I remember giant frogs. Well, you should have played Chrono Trigger first, and maybe you'd understand. You know what? That's going to be cool, actually, to do that, because Chrono Trigger is on my list of games I should... Like, there's just certain games you need... Like, at some point in my life, I should probably play Symphony of the Night. I feel like that's a You absolutely should. Uh, but it's just not It's not as easy to obtain as you think it Symphony is. Symphony of the just, Night, a game I do have on vinyl. I just, I just Symphony of the Night is on PS4. What the fuck are you talking about? You can just get Symphony of the Night on the PS4, PSN yeah. Store? 
Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm going to look right now. Um, And maybe, you know, I played so many of those. I, mean, I guess maybe I'm worried that it's won't, won't hold up for me a little bit because those games have been like, they've gone so, f- I've had so, like the Game Boy ones I love so much because they had all those loot elements. They would drop, monsters would drop all that crazy loot and stuff. Was the PlayStation one the same way? Like monsters would drop like random loot and stuff you'd yeah. use to. Yeah, that's where they. The one the the Game Boy Advance ones are excellent, but they're basically just a bunch of takes on redoing Simply the Night, Sim- which was hey like, we added a bunch of RPG mechanics to this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. So there's I mean that and coming back to that Silent Hill thing, I was thinking like the 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 leaks we never really got. Into we really lost Nintendo. ourselves there, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's what happened. Shay wasn't here. I think it was there. a fun discussion though. So. Yeah. Uh, yes, tangents are fun. Um. We never really talked about the Nintendo leaks, but I don't know if you guys found anything super interesting to you. Uh, I think some of the less secretive stuff. There was, I think, the one really interesting thing to me was if anybody saw that um, that version of Super Mario World Two uh, of Yoshi's Island where it was like a Donkey Kong game. Hmm. Uh, oh, like okay. it was built in that engine, but it was. Like labeled as a Donkey Kong game, you were playing as what the character model looks like to people is the protagonist of Donkey Kong Three. Uh it's huh. kind of wild. I'd recommend looking into it if you can. Like it was clearly in that same art style as Mario World Two, but it looks like it, they were kind of working on a Donkey Kong game at one point. Huh. Okay, I thought it was pretty cool that some of the early scratch Pokemon designs just to see where they came from and where they got to. Like, there was, like, a beta version of Garchomp, which is, like, one of my favorite Pokemon. He looks like a shark, like a land shark. Like, the early versions of him looked really cute and cool, but, like, not as good. I mean, the early version of Garchomp was, like, in... was going to be in one of the earlier games, and it just didn't make it, and then they flushed him out. I'd imagine designs like that get floated through so often, and, like... Imagine working for a company like that where you feel really passionately about a design and they don't end up using it. So you're like, you know, I made some tweaks and like two generations later I pitched it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nuts. Pokemon, yeah. Sometimes you'll see a design and you're like, why did that not make the final roster? That Pokemon's amazing, but there's an ice cream cone Pokemon for God's sake. That made the game? I just want to make up it? fake ones where they're like, yeah, we pitched for generation two. This is Pika gun. It was Pikachu, but with a gun. <laughs> Like oh okay okay, um, anyways, it's there's a lot of interesting stuff out there, but yeah, with this Silent Hill thing, just from what I was seeing, no one at Konami has confirmed it. There's one person they're waiting on that worked on it. You keep saying so Konami, it, really weird. I've been having a lot of fun with it, but I wasn't gonna draw attention because I thought I finally crazy. saw your face, so I'm like, Konami. I know I'm not insane then. Konami, you know you Konami. Konami? Like you sound Mario. like my grandma, like, like reading Mario. Konami off the a bus bench. Konami. Konami. Luigi, uh, what are you doing? Uh, Mama? Yes. Mama Luigi? They, Konami has not officially confirmed it, so I love the idea that they just leave it nebulous and people never know. Because like, even if it is him looking, even if it is James looking at you, the player, which is a little creepy, you know, it doesn't change anything drastically about the game. In an it's official sort of, statement, Konami said, what? Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like I guess they could. If I was them, I would just lean into it for the lore's sake because I was getting all this like, buzz. It's like, no, like, it wasn't. They should spin that it? out into a pachinko machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what's it? 
where it looks right back at you. Yeah, it's just a pachinko machine where it makes eye contact with you the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just really makes you feel bad about wasting all your money. Uh, What's pachinko? It's a game (laughs) uh, where you're required to chain smoke while playing it. And then you yes. have you have to buy the balls at a separate building because that way it's not gambling. Exactly. It's it's where the gaming industry got the idea for loot Loophole. boxes. We're not <laughs> technically gambling if we do this. We don't even sell the balls. Some other guy across the street yeah. does it. You own that building too. Well, that's neither here nor there. Um. Anyways, we're going to take a short break and we will be back with more discussion, games, polls, and all sorts of great stuff on the Chompcast. We'll be right back. What is up, Chomp Nation? This is Morgan here, also known as General Mountain Time. And look, I want to tell you today about our Patreon. That's right, Chomp Nation is growing every day. And if you enjoy what we do, whether it's the Chompcast, our social media, our YouTube channel, Twitter, anything we're doing out there you can support us and for just a couple bucks you can help keep us alive and honestly our patrons have basically become family and i want to go over a couple of the cool tiers we have if you want to support us and if you don't that's fine too we're just happy that you download and check out the podcast um our biggest and most popular tier we have is just five dollars five bucks you get access to early spoiler casts. That's right, Chomping After Dark. You get those several weeks early. And you get access to our top secret VIP Instagram page. That's right. On the podcast, you might hear me say, hey, do you want to be a VIP member of the Chompcast? And you say, I sure do. I sure do. Well, guess what? Boom. That $5 tier makes you a VIP member. You get access to this secret Instagram page that has top secret videos and pictures and polls that only VIP members get. And those polls and those feedback questions that we get, if it's a question of the week, for example, are read on the show, we make you a part of what we do. Um, so go to patreon.com slash swordchomp. You can look for our $5 tier, which is probably our most popular. And then from there, it escalates. We have a $10 tier, a $20 tier for Skypes. There's a lot of great things. But just head on over to patreon.com slash swordchomp. Check it out, and if you want to support us, it would mean the world to me, Rich, Josh, and Shay, and everyone else out there in Chomp Nation. Until next time, General Mountain Time salutes you. All right, and we are back here. So, uh, Rich, you've been really getting to this, uh, the dark world of Blazeball. I wouldn't um, know if it's dark, but... Uh... I I had to find a platform to discuss this more because I don't know we can call it video game adjacent. Uh I do not know who's actually doing this. I I'm I have reason to believe it's a, a collection of indie devs running this uh behind the scenes. Blazeball is America's greatest pastime. Uh so if you go to blazeball.com, you will find what your Twitter feed has been talking about endlessly for the past month. There's no Z in Blazeball, uh, let me tell you. No, it it's B-L-A-S-E-B-A-L-L. So what's going on here is some kind of sadistic gamer's take on fantasy sports. Um, basically, and I should say up front, right now Blazeball is taking a, a siesta. They didn't expect to be as popular as they became. <laughs> 
Uh, Which sucks is Rich told me about it and I would just sign up for <laughs> yeah. show purposes. So basically what this is, is you create a Blazeball account and then you pick a team uh, to support. Uh, the league is full of, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, those classic, classic uh, teams like the San Francisco Lovers and the Kansas City Breathmints. Uh, or the team I tried to sign up for, the Canadian The Moist Canada Talkers. Moist Talkers. Uh, yeah. I personally uh, support the New York Millennials. Uh, who were they were robbed last season, uh, beaten <laughs> by the Hades Tigers in uh, the last game of the season. Hades. So what baseball is is simulated baseball. A season takes one week. You can watch literal play by plays of games as they happen with like a text box uh-huh. walking you through it and a display showing you who's on base and what's happening. It's like watching GameCast for real sports, basically. Yeah, and. Basically, like the more interesting part is every player on every team, every player in the league has like legitimate stats and like the top player for the New York Millennials is one Dominic Marijuana. Uh, <laughs> the names are all ridiculous and amazing. Uh, and at the end of the season, if you have spent some of I should say the main crux of playing Blazeball is betting a fictional currency that you were given when you sign up um, to like- try. More like dime a Nick marijuana. Am I right? No, you're wrong. Um, it it kind of reminds so me of like term. a. It was, it was bad. I'm hoping <laughs> proud. Uh, it sort yeah, of reminds me of a salty bad. bet in that regard. Uh, for anyone who's familiar with that. But at the end of a season, well, you get to a salty bet every night. You're trying so hard, swing and a miss. Um, <laughs> just like in baseball. <laughs> You brought it back. Um, Wait, so I got a question though. In all seriousness, it it looks like baseball, but the way it's it is it's it is baseball. It's literally but like, baseball, but exaggerated in a very fantasy like sense. Well, in some ways, because one, the players' names are ridiculous, but that's kind of what I'm getting into. Is like the players have legitimate stats, and there's an election cycle, so everyone playing votes on they vote on decrees and blessings at the end of the season. Uh, blessings will have some more ridiculous, uh, effects on the league. Like, let me give you a good example. Um, evil wind sprints was passed for the Breckenridge jazz hands this season. So mm-hmm. going into the next season, the entire team's base running is increased by 15%. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you imagine all those speedy jazz hands going around the bases 15% faster. Here's an idea of how ridiculous some of them can get. Here's one summoning circle. This uh, was passed for the Kansas city breathments. They randomized the stats for the Kansas city breathments. Worst hitter Rodriguez internet. Uh, he went from a 0.5 to a 2.5, which, you know, good for him. That really works out. Okay. Um, th- like there's so many stats going on in the background. Uh, players get traded from the league. Uh, team names get changed. Like recently the, uh, the Los Angeles tacos changed their name to the unlimited tacos. What was that? Uh, flute item you told me about? Yes. When you go into the shop, which you can spend your money on things like extra votes. Um, you can spend money on things like the high roller snake oil, which lets you place bigger bets on games. Uh, <laughs> There's one I bought a few of that were the passive income potion. It's a potion that boosts the coins you earn when your team wins. Because the team you're supporting, you get like a, an income based off them winning. But one of the most expensive things is the Fairweather Flute, uh, which descriptions read as follows. Plays a tune that allows you to change your favorite team. Your former team will be disappointed, but understand. The fair, uh, it's, 
Yeah, it's like a fake game. It's like a fake, fake game. It's like a double fake. Y- yes, really. but then the most interesting part of Blaze Ball mm-hmm. is how the l- sort of lore is unfolding. If you go into the the uh, section titled "Book" on the website, you will find the Book of Blaze Ball, uh, the official rule book. Like ninety percent of this is redacted. Uh so I, I think I read one to you earlier, Morgan. Uh, let it's me. Holy. Yeah, the yeah. Unholy Blaze Book. Okay, so here's a here's a good example. Uh, under the playing the game subsection, Article B, each game should take place redacted on the immaterial plane. Uh, <laughs> Go on. There's uh, this is one of the larger redacted sections, which leads leaves a lot of questions. Uh, under playing the game, uh, Article G, once the ball is in play, then there's a redacted paragraph, the phrase immaterial plane. And then another redacted paragraph. Yeah, that's a good. The, what's the um? What's the? What was the one you said about like defense? It was like the the rules of defense. Oh yes, there. Oh yes, There's when like, a team is on defense, and then just a redacted sentence. It's all. It's all of it. So yeah, this thing is weird. It's a very weird. It's it's hard to kind of wrap your mind around. I know whenever I was first hearing about it, I I think I have a better idea of it now. It's just sort of like a fake simulated. Yeah. It, it became baseball. This thing, as somebody who follows a lot of people in games writing and games development on Twitter, my Twitter was filled with this. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up digging into it. It's one of those weird, like, sub-internet things. Like, I'm in the Discord now. Uh, I'm paying attention to this thing, because it's just... You don't have to put much effort into it. I just check in with it every now and then, and it's funny. It's fun. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, yeah. That's that's cool. That's cool, actually. Um... Okay, cool. I uh, I've been playing uh, Necro Barista with you guys a little bit. Um, I've been dabbling in the Necro Barista, which is a pretty. I think you're both further than me in that. I started it, but I I, I do really need to like maybe over the weekend just kind of knock it out and in, in a go. I'm only an hour in. I don't know how long you played more than me. It is though. Um, it's I didn't know that it wasn't actually a game. It's actually just a like a like a graphic novel. It's a visual novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A visual novel about sort of the basic premise is that the necro barista or the coffee shop, if my understanding, is sort of like that gateway, like you die and it's sort of like gateway between passing on to. It's like a purgatory yeah. type situation, yeah. it seems like a way stop on your like passage onto wherever it is you go in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And th- which is kind of an interesting idea because how they sort of frame it like it's just a coffee shop. Well, it's weird because she seemed kind of the, the main character in there. And I forgot her name. I apologize already. Um, she was seemed kind of passionate about her coffee shop. But at the beginning, there's like this running joke that like all these people have left reviews about how terrible the coffee is uh, in this uh, purgatory of sorts. Well, the um, thing I, I liked immediately about the, the little bit I did play is like the cadence of that character and how immediately it's kind of set up of how used to what this place is that she is, where she's like, you know, a ghost comes in. She's like, Hey, got bad news, bud. You're dead. Yeah. They're like having an anxiety attack. She's just like, I know you really want to waste your entire your time here. having an anxiety attack, man. <laughs> You're not embarrassed. Don't worry about it. Everyone does this. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, the visual style is sort of like a low, like a, like a, like a budget persona to me because they, you can just say anime. 
But well, budget anime though. But like it's yeah, because there's not a lot of movement. Like the characters, because it is just a visual novel. They they're kind of smart about it. They don't have too much uh, animation for the most part. And it's weird because I don't. I didn't realize this at first because I was just sitting there on the dialogue. I'm like, when is it gonna? Oh, I have to push. I have to, I have to click to continue because it was weird. Like every they kept. Stopping Morgan was at, watching the credits, going, "When does the game start?" <laughs> they they would stop at these weird animation points. Like she'd stick her coffee cup under there, and it would just freeze. And I'm like, uh. Well, f- think of it this way: like in terms of a visual novel, like it's lightly animated, but it's almost like you're reading like a comic book or manga or something. So like yeah. the clicking is basically you turning the page. Turning a page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the thing that struck me right off the bat is the music was fucking it's really phenomenal. good. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah it's so good. I can't tell you how many hours I'm into the game because several times I've just let it sit there so I could listen to the music, which I, I realized I'm never going to finish the game if I had to do that. So I, I broke down and just bought the soundtrack so I could make it through the rest of the game. I did the same thing for Coffee Talk. I'm going to end up buying the soundtrack for this as well because it's music that is so good for while you're, like, doing other stuff. Like, when I'm working on reviews for the site, Mm -hmm. like, I often put this on now or I put on the soundtrack to Coffee Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's crazy. I didn't expect it to be that... I mean, honestly, it does repeat itself quite a bit, so I I think you'd be pretty good just letting it... Letting it go on because, like, while people are talking, yeah, it'll play. But, yeah, I agree with you, Josh. It's almost, like, distracting... You're like, all right, it's just distractingly good. I need to go on with my life at some point. Um, it did. Rem- I was getting. Sh- it was weird how much this game was reminding me of like a low, like a budgety Catherine kind of a thing. I know there wasn't any gameplay in it, but like it reminded me of. Well, when- art wise, I think that sticks to your persona thing too. <laughs> Like well, it. I know, and you'll just say it's anime, but I mean, like the idea of it was sort of like this contained. Yeah, I don't know. It's true. Perhaps I just don't play enough anime games, and I'm just. But like, it just reminded me of like. Um- like sort of like an intimate kind of feel to something like that, where there was just like a couple characters having conversations. But yeah, it was weird. I didn't, I didn't expect there was going to be any game. You do walk a little bit. That's like the yeah. The they have a, a weird sort of memory mechanic, um, where there's the main story, and then there are unlockable memories, which are like little side things that happened in the cafe um which the the whole thing is set in the cafe where you're just uh just just hanging out in there just different things uh and kind of kind of all all in the same spot um which i think is why they decided to let you walk around in there kind of between between sections look around the setting well yes i i think a so you can look around the setting and then b also so you kind of can place things a little bit more just in, mm-hmm. in, in the space, um, which I'm not sure if I like that or not yet, because I'm not sure if I'm going to unlock all the memories in a playthrough or if it's something I'm going to have to play like, multiple back times for. for yeah. um, and it's there aren't dialogue choices. It's not like, you know, um, it, it's not like a... Uh, you know, like a gal game where you're going through and picking which waifu you want. Um, Damn, if only. But Yeah, if only. So uh, if, if it's just going back through for the memories, I'm not sure if that would feel good enough. Um, we'll see. We'll see if there's, like, enough context to be like, okay, now that I understand this, I kind of want to see the rest of it again um, sort of a thing. Um, okay. 
but it's still kind of fun because they've got a, a kind of unique um at the end of each chapter you can there are like highlighted words that if you click on them you'll get extra information like about the characters or about the the situation um just kind of more context so you have um just can can get to know the characters a little bit better um so like you'll have these highlighted words you can click on them and then at the end of the chapter you get to pick seven of them that you will keep as like these little runes that you can use to unlock the different memories that you need. Um, mm-hmm. Cause they're, they're like each of those, each of the words you got are related to a, um, like a character or a place okay. in the story. Um, and so to unlock the memories of like, you know, these two people talking, well, you, you need to have the three things that like the three runes that kind of, line up with that which is kind of an interesting way to do it because at the end you kind of you see all these words again and it's kind of fun thinking back remembering through everything again like okay like i i kind of want these runes so i can see this other story that i found last time but i couldn't unlock uh Uh i'm trying to think through like okay i want like these two and, and then one over here so i can unlock that and then trying to trying to plan ahead for it which interesting is fun although Sometimes I get different runes that, runes that I'm expecting anyway, and it, yeah. So I'm, I kind of feel like and I'm going to like, end, and I'm just not going to have everything I need to unlock. I kind of just want to see all the things at a point. Yeah, and, at some point, it's like it's fun that they're making me kind of think about this because I feel like and it work sticks for in your it a head. Little. Yeah, work like it, it feels like it sticks in your head a little bit better. But also, I kind of just want to see all the stuff too. So, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see how that, you know. To YouTube at the end, yeah, yeah that's kind of what I'm thinking. It may end up being that um, sort of a thing. Although, since you do just click through everything, if you just wanted to go through and get more runes, I don't think a second playthrough would take you that long. If you were just going through to finish the memories you didn't have before, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, you just fly through there, clicking furiously. But um, anyway, anyway, I I have been really enjoying it because it is kind of. We got since Morgan was saying since he's not a visual novel guy, it was kind of a shock to him seeing oh like that this is what's going on there. But from someone who does play a decent number of visual novels, not a ton, but it, I think you and I probably play the most of those things of yeah, anyone here. The presentation is outstanding because it is all three um, D models just framed in either still or in just like a really super short time frame. Like you'll have like a motion of like them, like he was saying, putting out a coffee cup to, yeah. to, to get some coffee. And it'll be like just, just a motion. And you can kind of decide how long you want that frame to hang there. Um, and it's just really, really gorgeous because it's- of the, uh, the way they handle that. Um, some of the animations are a little rough because mm-hmm. since the whole thing was be you know essentially made to be seen in still, they're minimalist in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Some of the animations are on the rough side, but like the art style is still really cool. The um and the presentation as a whole is really cool. Um, there's some weird stuff there because this is an Australian game that I think I don't feel like Australian folklore and history has got a lot of legs around the world um no i think that's fair to say so anyway um 
there are references to things in Australia's history. There's a there's a character who is passed on. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the characters who died sometime in the past. Um, and I'm gonna hopefully cut this out because my brain just blanked on his last name. Woo! You got this. Kelly. There we go. Kelly. Ned Kelly is one of the characters in this. Um, who was like an Australian gunslinger who wore plate armor. Okay, that sounds like a JRPG protagonist. It does. He was an actual guy. Like an I, actual guy. That's amazing. But anyway, he wanders around. He's still got his helmet on. You like you never see his face. He's still wearing his helmet. Um, that's awesome. And yeah, it's just one of those things like people are going to see that. And I, I don't feel like that's widespread enough that you're going to No, but that's kind of fun. Yeah, it's, it is. It's fun. And they poke fun at him occasionally knowing how he died and stuff like that. Since he was a, you know, famous Australian gunslinger. (laughs) That's truly amazing. Mm -hmm. One thing came to mind to me as I was playing this, which I think is a weird criticism. That's only going to be stuck in my mind in particular. In the visual novel space, one I really enjoyed this year was Coffee Talk. So I can't help but find myself slightly disappointed that one of the brief segments of gameplay isn't making coffee. Yeah. yeah I want to really... be made. <laughs> I yeah. loved that aspect of Coffee Talk. I love just like making drinks. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah, it is. It's odd how many games, kind of in the same space, have been either making coffee or cocktails or something like that recently. Which it's, Valhalla, it's, which I also loved. Yeah, it's and like it I'm, seems to have somehow become its own genre. Is and but anyway, it um this one's more squarely in the visual novel style where you're really not yeah. doing much of anything else other than clicking through it. Um Yeah, somehow I mean you're one of somehow visual novel barista slash bartender simulator has become one of my favorite types of games. <laughs> Yeah, like I am all in for that sequel to Valhalla they're putting out. I demoed it at PAX, and I can't wait for that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, should we move on to Fey Tactics then? I think so. I think we've hit most of it since you've not gotten to a lot of it yet. There's, yeah, um, we could talk more about it as uh, Morgan and I both get deeper. Uh, yeah. But I also played, I talked about this a little bit uh, briefly last week, I played a lot more Fey Tactics, um, which is a tactical RPG uh, in the style of the original Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced. Um, I've kind of gotten to the conceit of how the combat works and how it differentiates itself, which I'm liking quite a bit. Uh, When you start the game, and as far as I know, this will probably be all there is in terms of main characters, there could possibly be more. Um, you have the main character, and she has a bird and dog companion. Uh, but the main character is uh, a human that can use magic, which in these, this world is an unusual thing. Um, so basically the way you get other uh, allies in combat is you have a certain amount of cards you can shuffle in, and you unlock more as you go to summon fey creatures like fairies and goblins to fight alongside you. So you can basically change a loadout of what types of allies you're going into combat with. And on top of that, the like narrative story characters all have their own sort of unique abilities. 
Um, like a lot of these games, these tactical games, uh, Rich, like Fire Emblems and Final Fantasy, you know, it has more in line with like Final Fantasy Tactics, but what's the what's the romance mechanics like? Is there any romancing of fairies? So far, no. Um, I don't really see that happening. Uh, but uh, that's kind of, it's not a Fire Emblem in that regard. That's not what I came here for, eh, so to say. But the... I, the more I delve into it, the more I'm liking how they kind of expand upon the way these characters worked and variations on the Fae you can summon as well. Like, one of the more interesting ones is uh, Chico, who is this sort of German Shepherd uh, dog character. And uh-huh. one of his abilities I really like helps him kind of main... His passive action, which is when he doesn't act on his turn, is anyone within a certain radius around him, he will absorb damage for on that uh, during the next phase. And so wait, so the dog is a fairy or the dog can summon The dog fairies? is a dog. Okay. But they the dog and the people can summon fairies. No, just the person can. Okay. The so dog the is a dog. Can summon, the dog The one person. Okay. One person can the summon the main fairies. character. Gotcha. gotcha. Um the the dog has also an ability called Devour. Um, which is when he gets the last hit on an enemy, I think it has to be like an animal or something. Um, he eats it to get his health back. Hmm. which uh you can use like in a lot of like higher end strategies uh there's also uh these what they call felling mechanics i believe which in certain battles you'll have uh boss monsters uh sometimes there might be more than one and much like a final fantasy tactics where when you kill something it's downed and then you know a certain amount of turns has to pass or you have to attack the body to destroy it yeah um you'll get more experience if instead of completely killing the bosses, if there's more than one, you just down both of them at the same time. Hmm. The battle oh, ends and you get more huh. experience for leaving them down but alive. Interesting. That's cool. But at the same time, you then have to prevent their minions from reviving them. Oh, that's always a pain While you're yes. going after the other one. And the thing is with those particular boss battles is the bosses, like you, can summon fey creatures. So if you kill every minion on the field, they're just going to summon more. Yeah, so there's always that's... something to contend with until you take them out. <sighs> sounds kind of annoying. But yeah, it sounds cool. Sounds like you're enjoying it. I am, yeah. I'll definitely keep digging on that. Um, see, I, I imagine it's probably going to be a pretty lengthy playthrough, but I'm liking it thus far a lot. The name seems a little generic. Faye Tactics. Um, but they're smart. They put tactics in the name, so <laughs> you know what you're getting into. And the the visual style really evokes like a maybe a chibier, but it really evokes Final Fantasy Tactics. This is very random, but did you ever play those front mission games, Rich? Those mech turn based RPGs. Yeah, games? yes, I did. I liked those games when I was a kid, but they were they're complicated. They were Yes, they were uh, difficult. I play, is it the BattleTech game that came out like a year or two ago? I played a bunch of that. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was sort of like the Return of Mech Warrior in a way, right? Yeah, that game is a very complicated tactics RPG. <sighs> yeah. Which is cool. I'm glad that that stuff exists. I love punishing second. myself, so I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a poll on this later, um, but did you have anything to add to... I haven't got to Fall Guys yet. You motherfucker. I've wanted to. Um, I know that sounds crazy. But uh, Fall Guys has sort of been sweeping the nation <laughs> as like the the silly new battle. Mo- it's almost like battle royale esque 
kind of game. It's like a game show. It's like Mario Party beats Metal Battle Royale. It feels like it's more like a wipeout, not wipe out the game, like wipe out the, the, the game TV show. show. Yeah, game show, yeah. Meets yeah. Battle Royale. Um I played a bunch of it. I have two wins under my belt now. Yeah. Um yeah. You remember last week when we were talking about how we should really make an American gladiator game? It somebody yeah. just did. It's, yeah, it's not it's exactly that. that, but it's you know. Yeah. Uh, they decided that that was a good idea right at the same time we did. So fast, yeah, no, definitely. This came out. Of, they programmed it, made the entire game in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they they totally, totally were. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this and you happen to subscribe to PS Plus, it's free on PS Plus. So I recommend you go pick it up there. Um, basically, actually, the the easiest sell for me for people might be familiar with this. It's like Battle Royale Gang Beasts. Um, you mm. play as little floppy bean men, and <laughs> I believe it's, yeah, 60 people in a game uh, over the course of uh, four or five events. And you'll start off with, like, one event might be one of my favorites because it's hilarious to watch the reactions of is it's just a foot race and there are these doors along the path and some of the doors work and some of them don't. Uh, So as you get funneled into sections, you'll watch people, like, slamming into a door that won't open. And it's, like, the first 30 people to cross the finish line qualify into the next round. And then the next event might be like you're all on a platform and there's a spinning bar that's picking up speed and you have to jump over it. And the first 12 people that get knocked out, they're eliminated. And then you go on to the next event. Um, and it's sort of a last man standing thing. The last event is typically always a foot. I, I believe it always is the, the crown grab. Uh, it's a foot race up a mountain and there's a crown at the top. And the first person to grab the crown wins. Ah. Yeah, that's the one I've seen the most. That's always the, the final event. It usually, that's the pinnacle of Fall yeah, Guys. Yeah, you're usually down to, I think you're down to 12 people by that point. Uh, am I, are you, has anybody else, have you tried Fall Guys yet, Josh, or no, is it just Rich? Not yet, I don't have the uh, PS Plus? Plus currently, so I was going to just buy it, but I've got so much else to do, still trying to finish up uh, Paper Time Mario permitting, and Ghost that of could Tsushima. be a fun one for us to all do together. Yeah potentially yeah i mean that's got to be good for playstation plus then they have this game that everyone wants to play that you get for free when you have the monthly membership that's got to be a nice win for them i would think uh, yeah you know for th- sure. I, I was searching around the playstation now store and it doesn't get the publicity that game pass does and it shouldn't because, because it's game not pass, as impressive <laughs> it's well it's occasionally I, I as impressive but very rarely it's, Rarely, it's yeah. A, yeah. It's a different kind of impressive. Like Game Pass is supposed to be for a lot of newer kind of smaller games. PS uh, Now is about like getting a back catalog. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. which I know is scary. But there's a lot of good games on. There. I was like, holy shit! Like even like some side games I'd wanted to try, like Greedfall that I didn't want to buy. You can get with your. Oh, I own Greedfall. <laughs> I was like, man, like I was just surprised at how good it actually was. But yeah, it doesn't have the new it titles like Game Pass does, but. It's it's still really cool. Like slide the slide collection was on there. A lot of those classic PlayStation three, four games were on there. I just saw a lot of stuff that I would like to play, but I did get it. I got anxiety looking at that store. I was like, fuck. <laughs> including including Sly Four, a game I don't believe anyone has actually played. It's true. Well, Never met a human being that's played Sly Four. The Confirmer can die. But we got some more fun games to talk about, so we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back. Second PP time. Hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, this commercial is brought to you by Chomping After Dark, our brand new podcast where we deep dive on video games, talking about the story in full detail. That's right. 
But we don't just talk about games. We've also talked about many wonderful movies. We talk about things from AAA titles to indie darlings to movies that just plain made us laugh. Yes, we are still waiting for the cat's butthole cut. If you want to check it out, please head over to swordchomp.com or any of the major podcast apps where you listen to podcasts. And if you feel like, dang, I just want to get this podcast two weeks early, head over to patreon.com slash swordchomp where you can get access to Chomping After Dark two weeks early. All right, and welcome back to the Chompcast. Now, uh, Shay, I did want to catch up with you a little bit. I know uh, a couple weeks behind because of your Darkest Dungeon, but you were able to uh, finally get some time with Ghosts of Ghost of Tsushima. I always want to make it plural. Ghosts. I did. I did. Just too. the one. Mm-hmm. Just the one. Yeah, I got into it finally, and it's uh, it's been a really good fun. Um, game so far for me uh i was messaging these guys privately a lot about it but there um there are there's an insane attention to detail that you can see throughout this game and it's a thread that so far has been consistent for me throughout the game so far like i was messaging these guys uh the tori gates that you run into uh you can see those at every shrine at every shinto shrine here in japan like every Mm -hmm. Shrine has them, and like exactly what the game is saying, it is, it is to signal, uh, where these uh shrines are to where you can pray, uh, and it's like even in city grounds, like every week when I go to the grocery store, there's this very very small shrine, this small Shinto shrine, and it has one of those tori gates. Uh, in Kyoto, there's a very famous place called Fushimi Inari, that uh is very famous for these tori gates uh if you've seen any pictures of kyoto i guarantee you've seen a picture of fushimi inari one of the most famous places in japan uh there's attention to detail such as that um when when the main character i'm spacing his name right now off the top Jin. of my head Jin. It hit, <laughs> it hit me. Jin sakai that's right Jin sakai cardboard me yes um but when he um when he goes to the the shrines to pray he he bows a little bit and he does the two hand clap he hangs his head for like a split second and then bows again that is actually 100% accurate um or i should say 99% accurate usually when people uh do their little prayer before they do their second bow it's a little bit longer and they are prowling or prowling praying for peace and prosperity um for themselves for their loved ones for their job situation and everything they like they're just praying for basically good vibes it goes deeper than that but to make it very succinct uh the the onsen was like the onsens that you run into uh like seeing the steam rise from these onsens very similar like the the amount of detail they've put into this game is insane and obviously they've hyped like visually they've hyped it up and ramped it up a little bit um i i you know obviously the trees in japan are beautiful during the spring for sakura season or the fall when the leaves are changing and falling uh it's beautiful obviously it's nowhere near as breathtaking as the game i think (laughs) i love particle effects baby 
but <laughs> it's it still is like amazing to see that type of stuff in person and so when you were playing this game and you see it represented in the game it's it's what the the emotions and the feelings that it evokes in you is similar to seeing it in real life obviously there's a little bit of a difference there so the vi- the visuals while they're a little bit extreme they um they are representative of the feeling that you see so i think the visuals are obviously one of the things that everybody's talking about in this game and rightfully so um i've really enjoyed the story so far uh i've re- like i've really enjoyed the story i know um Morgan, you and there are other people out there who think that Jin's kind of this just generic cutout character, but I feel like he's more in line with what they're trying to do with being a samurai. He it's stoicism, it's controlling your emotions, and that's alluded to so much in the beginning, to where it's like even the point where the first few times you assassinate somebody, obviously the first time you assassinate or you assassinate someone, you see that big flashback. And then a few times after you do it, you get a very like three second snippet of that flashback you've already watched, reminding you that this is not the samurai way. And what you are doing, it goes against your teachings. What you are, it's a means to an end. Um, it's as uh, the, the female character that you were running around with at the beginning. Uh, Yuna. Her name as well. Yuna. <laughs> Yuna, thank you. I'm terrible yes. with names. As you can now, a lot of the characters in that game actually especially stuck out to me so a lot like Lady Misako I talked about a few times is one of my favorites um, and yeah yeah to continue with what you were saying there uh, Shay just yeah. I, I think no. you're right and you'll see that more in the back half with Jin yeah it, it, how he, how just, he evolves rather right she says that like well don't break your rules then bend them and they do such a good job of calling back to that um and I'm not going to talk about like negatively about anyone not liking the story. That's fine. Um, I've really enjoyed the story so far. Uh, visually, it's awesome. The uh, the combat is a little bit clunky at times, especially in terms of the camera angles. Um, oh, yeah. It feels very, very uh, 2000s, early 2010s combat. Uh, it does feel like a two- sequel to Assassin's Creed 2. It does. It very much does. And I know you guys mentioned that previously. Um, I've definitely struggled with the camera angles a few times. Yeah. It's been I w- frustrating. I would, as, a, as a suggestion for everyone out there, if you ever see like a leader of an outpost in their tent, do something loud to get them outside. You're, you're just, you're gonna, it's not a you're good gonna place regret to fight. trying to fight anyone inside. I Unless you're stealth mistake. Take, and taking them down stealth wise. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I've made that mistake once or twice. I'm like, I'll just fucking fight them one on one in this house. <laughs> I know. One v one, bro. Like, like tra- oh, oh, that's why I don't do this. Yep. Exactly. So, um, it's interesting in that way that they chose to go with that old style, I guess, of camera work and framework and whatnot. Um, I like that. I mean, it's very typical. You can approach the game in many different ways. Obviously, you can be a more ranged character with your bow and arrow you can use flaming arrows or normal arrows you can use your bombs or your uh little mini blades that you can throw uh you can go for sort like straight sword fighting you can uh assassinate people one of the things i really like about the combat is how you can just walk up to a mongol settlement and you basically 
do a little sword fighting draw. I really like that feature. It's a lot. Oh, the of fun. standoff is great. Yeah, the standoff is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. Um, it's a, it's such a little thing, but it's so cool. And I like the fact that it, like at first it was super easy, and then they're like sometimes the enemy will like head jab to try and fuck with you, fake and, you out a little. Yeah, yeah, and the game's got me a few times off of that. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, and no, nope. and then I get sliced, of course. Um, so I really like that feature. The standoff feature is awesome absolutely love that Shay, i'm um, curious while you're on the standoff thing i don't know if you've seen this yet one of my favorite things that kind of goes hand in hand with the standoff is yeah. and i wish more games that had this sort of clear camp thing had this if you've got like one or two enemies left in a camp and you're having a hard time tracking them down it'll eventually give you the standoff icon to be like hey where are you like call out oh, to the remaining yeah. enemies and yeah. they'll just come out to face you <laughs> yeah, I re- I really like that about it. Like, obviously, you have the little like you press on the center on the on the touchpad, and you kind of have like your see through vision, whatever they call it, like warrior sense or whatever. Um, but yeah, I really like that when you like you're it's just my favorite body wash. Be- <laughs> I love warrior sense. Warrior sense. Bush- Bushido eyes. <laughs> That's the new Old Spice flavor or scent, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> flavor. If you, you're not uh, supposed to eat it yet. frisky if you're feeling frisky but um no i really like that the game has been buggy a few times so uh the fact that they do that makes that easier like uh i was doing the mission where you're running around with uh sensei is it ishikawa the yeah. arrow dude the the bow and arrow the archer yeah yeah i really like that little storyline but there's a point to where that guy just literally disappeared on yeah. me I've had, so we're doing... I've had some quests fail because... i never had stuff like that happen i know josh yeah. you brought it up before like it's crazy to think i played like 60 hours of that game and i never had anything like that happen there was the one that got me was there's an escort mission where you save somebody from a camp and then go to take them and you're all supposed to get on your horse and go away the, the ai just could not figure out how the fuck to get on this horse at which how point to, how there's, to horse. there was no way for me to continue on because the prompt does not show up for you to get on your horse until everyone you're escorting gets on theirs. So I just had oh, to restart weird. the thing. I'm just like, okay, all right. I've it's, not, it's I've not had to funny. deal with an AI getting this fucking lost in several years, but I guess it, we're doing this. But I, you know, I, I kind of missed that jankiness about <laughs> open world games as long as it doesn't directly affect what you're trying to do. Like, yeah. So uh, well, since that one, like, I, I restarted a checkpoint like. 30 seconds earlier so it was yeah, not yeah, a big yeah. deal but it was just no like, harm no, no foul i've not seen this in quite some time yeah, yeah. right like it's been many years mm-hmm. but um yes sensei ishikawa disappears and like uh jen is still having a conversation with him and you just hear this <laughs> whisper of uh ishikawa's voice in the distance somewhere You're he's like, in the, the bushes somewhere voice? and then so i died uh, i got killed i'm playing on hard right now mm-hmm. um still continuing with that this year i died and suddenly i think that's peered, the way to play this one up. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, combat is way too easy. Otherwise, yeah, it feel it feels good at a hard level difficulty. Like, um, that honestly hard feels pretty normal. Um, in like thinking about it, but I, you know, I've really, really, honestly, I've enjoyed my time with the game a lot. Uh, the story is keeping me invested enough. Like, the story is obviously very simplistic. Save your uncle. Um. You oh, that's suspend- just the first act, really. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Like it, it goes places. I, I think I've said this before. I think the third act is where it gets really interesting. But Jin has a, an arc, like a noticeable arc that I think is interesting. Cool. 
I well, I mean, I've enjoyed that first act. I, I think you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit because when uh, the Mongol leader decides to save um, Jin's uncle, you're like, why him of all people? And like, yes, they explain it, but it's like, ah, you know, like that's a very convenient explanation. I'll allow it, you know? And like Jin, instead of being killed after he sliced the Mongol leader's face, he just gets tossed in the water. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I was like, uh, I guess I'll too. suspend my disbelief just for the sake of the story. That, that whole opening sequence was kind of weird. Um, I would say it was weird. It's just like you're just suspending your disbelief at the end of the day. I mean, if you don't, you don't have a game. So um, it's over the top, but I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. No, 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 not at all. I mean, you watch granted, not the same vein, a similar vein, not the same. But if you watch any Kung Fu movie, literally any, that's kind of like that's kind of the thing, right? Like it's over the top. So like visually, you could say. It's akin to a kung fu movie because, like the the overtop fe- campy feeling of a kung fu movie, is kind of a little bit similar to this game. The visuals are over the top, but they're over the top for a reason. They service the the mythos of what the story is trying to convey. And when that beginning sequence happens, yes, like you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit that Jin wouldn't just get his throat slit immediately. I mean, it's it's a little bit campy and preposterous, but it's servicing the story. It's servicing the mythos of what's going on. There. Yeah. And it is trying to push that I, whole like last samurai idea. Like, yes, the, the lone survivor of this massacre. And exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say, even though I didn't particularly enjoy the story, I didn't think it was bad by any means. I guess like I've sort of been spoiled by a lot of the like, m- like more impressive open world games where there's so much like, you know, from the facial animation to the dialogue to like the characters that like, in this game, it just seemed kind of rote, you know, like they like whenever I was traveling with Ishikar, the archer guy you were talking about, because um, I remember that one specifically that um, I was like, there was like one kind of interesting dialogue about how he like wasn't good enough to be a student or whatever. But other than that, I thought like the dialogue they exchanged just seemed kind of generic. And like you, the way you kind of hunt down your the student that's missing was kind of, you know by the book sort of detective clues it wasn't particularly interesting and of course she wasn't there and she is now with the mongols or whatever well, i don't, it, I don't I those arcs was... take time they, they all go like it's, every, it's not, every character it, kind of has their own arc that literally takes the entirety of the game to fully it's resolve. not the it's not the story itself it was to me it was more along the lines of the execution just seemed fine like it seemed like five years ago i would have probably been more impressed by it i guess is what i'm trying to say I, I, you know, I don't know if that's entirely true, like just for you specifically, Morgan, because I've kind of started to notice that like certain games that have this kind of uh, character development is not your forte. It's very similar to God of War. Um, And actually, you know, you really did like The Last of Us 2 now that I think about it, but it's very similar in that a lot of the development of the main character Oh, and you did like Red Dead too. Actually, now I think about it, I don't I, say I'm looking for it in the in like regards to like how, like the like how they're conveying the the, the di- dialogue in particular is a big thing for me. Like I want like games nowadays are so good that and you know Sucker Punch that's not necessarily their forte. They're a gameplay driven studio, but I never thought anything was bad. It just mostly came off to me as fine. I guess well, like I, yeah, standard. I thought it was really like that that uh, Ishikawa's. Um, arc so far was actually really compelling because it's like he's this very very principled man this very very strict man and 
like the older generations in Japan, it's very, very, very accurate. Um, I, I used to work with this guy. Uh, he works at a different school now. He was a uh, kendo teacher. He was mm-hmm. extremely, extremely by the book kind of guy, like extremely by the book. And um, very like it, it was very reminiscent uh, that Ishikawa was very reminiscent of my former coworker. And, you know, like very honorable man. And so you kind of start to slowly unpackage his story and he, he eventually admits to a mistake that he made. And basically that arc is learning about this mistake and how he's trying to come to terms with it while you are helping him and him kind of letting his guard down, being willing to teach you, quote unquote, how to shoot a bow and how to become more proficient at it. And through learning about what happened with Ishikawa, um, Sensei Ishikawa, you kind of get a deeper understanding um, about Jin and his principles and how those were formulated. Yeah. Um, I've you know, actually, he's... Go ahead, a, lo- a lot I've of the flashbacks about. to Jin. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the show or not, but I really like Jin as a character when you're seeing him as a kid because... It helps you understand why he is the way he is. Yeah, like, you, you can see him being offended by, like, things he wants to fix. Like, you kind of, you get more of a personality from him, whereas later in the game, he's, like, well, not later in the game, but, like, later on in his life, at the beginning of the game, he's just, like you would mentioned before, he's just really stoic, just doesn't want to show any emotion about anything. Um, which plays better when you have the context of oh he actually does care about these things he just is trying he's been to keep told that it's not it's not his place it. to yeah yeah right. act and, upon and, those urges and impulses and you see flashes of that too i mean when he attacks the mongol leader like he he's completely brazen and brash in that moment and i think after that like you start to see like this um very stoic character and I think that's because he, like, he feels like, I failed again to save my uncle, my master, my senpai. And it's because I continue to break from the code that my uncle set forth for me, which is bolstered by the, the, um, by the, the memories that you get to experience through Jin as a younger Jin. And so you are, you are reminded, quote unquote, slash you are privy to, what those teachings were and because of his failure twice to save his uncle that now he's trying to abide by his uncle's teachings even though he's bending a little bit in terms of the assassination in order to save his uncle and i think as the game goes on like they sort of punctuate that really well um with the idea of how the world starts to see him too because obviously the the citizens of tsushima like you know, they understand these samurai lords and how they operate and like, you know, their code and all that. And you start to see like these bits. I'm sure you've seen plenty of them at this point, Shay, where like you'll save a group of people and then like you'll hear conversations from them and talking about how the way you fought, you were like a monster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like um, it's because up until that point, everything they heard about samurai and the Bushido code is very like very principled and honorable. You look upon your enemy as you slay him. You do it in the uh, easiest way possible so you don't, you cause the least amount of suffering. Um, the, you know, these were some of the Bushido principles uh, for samurai. And 
it's interesting to see a character kind of slowly edge out of that. Um, there's this there's this manga series that I've enjoyed reading from time to time. It's called Lone Wolf and Cub. I think I've talked about it with you guys before. It is one of the oldest mangas uh, uh, to be published. Uh, it was published in the late seventies, early eighties. Um, it's a very it's a very good manga series. It's about this this man and his child, and they basically are for hire. Um, like not necessarily assassins, but like hired guns essentially. Um, but he used to be a samurai and you kind of learn, like he's this guy who just like does not live by the Bushido code anymore. He just does what he wants, how he wants. And he's training his son to follow in his footsteps. And, uh, it's, it's very interesting. It's like a Ronin story type of deal. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, they made them in the movies. You probably have seen more too. They did. They did. Yeah. And the thing is, you are already thrust. The, the point I'm trying to make here is you're already thrust into this character being the way that he is. And you slowly, as you read the mangas, um, cause they're kind of episodic. You slowly get little pieces of information going how back he became that back. way. Exactly. Whereas mm-hmm. with Jin, you kind of, you, you see, he's trying to be this principled man, but he's slowly descending into bending his the Bushido code, the Samurai way and, and becoming the ghost. Came, right. Exactly. And you see where he came from to become that. And so it's kind of like this, this very, like, I feel like at the beginning of the game, you're at the peak of him trying to abide by that code. And what it seems like to me, and granted, please don't say anything. Mm. Um, you, you started at the Valley, you, up until the beginning, you're at the peak of where he's trying to be the most honorable samurai, and it's going to slowly descend further and further the more desperate he gets to save his uncle and whatever the story continues from there on. Um, but it's it's interesting to be at like the highest point, and it seemingly like for me at this point that you're going to see him descend into a much less honorable character. At least that's what it seemed like to me so far. I hope so. Cause that would be a, a more interesting thing than what I had seen. So I get, yeah, I guess the, um, like a good example would be like that opening, uh, some of those early flashbacks where you're training with your master or your master or whatever, or it was your master, or your father, one of the two, I don't your know. Your uncle. Your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And, Who is your uh, senpai and your master. S- some guy. And, uh, he, the, the way they frame it is like, it, it kind of looked cool. They were, you know, the, the way the camera pulled up and they had all the leaves spread around in like a circle on the ground. And it was, you know, they were trying to do something artistic with it, even though, you know, if I've, I'm not familiar with samurai film, but so far it sort of feels kind of like a greatest hits of like sort of samurai ideas and stuff like that. If I had to describe it, um, but like uh, I thought that was a pretty cool way of doing it. But you know, and then like the opening scene where he's like on the horse and he like grabs the the flowers and it's just like the music hits and it's really beautiful. But like I was, I don't know. I like I wish that they would just had a little bit more of that artistic touch in there because most of it seemed kind of straightforward. And then yeah, I wasn't feeling the the combat as much either, so it just kind of felt like a chore. But I I get it honestly. Like that's that's cool. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're enjoying it, you know, and you have a pro, you're enjoying it for a lot of the things that I have no familiarity with, you know, like in Japan, for example, like I, yeah, yeah, um, I would, I would say the one thing I'd say is that I think you're talking about the title screen 
you're wishing that it was more art- artistic like that, right? When he's running on yeah, the horse. Yeah, I really like that scene, yeah. And of course, I really like that scene too, but if that game was full of that, then that wouldn't be as poignant as it is, right? And I think, Yeah, that moment would be deflated. Right, exactly. And I think that there are pockets of that in this game, which I've experienced little by little so far. Like, um, there's, this, there's this one mission where basically um, you're trying to track someone down. And uh, you come across these white petals in this tower, and you're supposed to find these white trees. And you go up to the top of the tower, and you overlook, and you just see this field of white trees just sprawled out. And it's like it's very, very um, out of quote unquote out of place because everywhere else surrounding you is green and lush, but you have these these white trees sprawled out. So you go through them, and it just feels. Um, otherworldly in some ways as you're moving yeah. through these white trees and i yeah. coincidentally i ran into a bear in there and had to fight a bear, but, <laughs> there um, you go. but you know shit happened i have so many screenshots from moments like that like mm-hmm. they use color in that regard uh like these vibrant colors uh for like these different blossoms on trees and stuff to guide you uh mm-hmm. through the environment a lot and it, yeah, a lot of that's that is one so thing well they done do. yeah they do they do do that really well yeah. you said doo-doo the uh, uh, there are yeah, a lot of the side quests I think are kind of where it shines because yeah like a lot of the exploration stuff I like just wandering around exploring and then it's like oh, here's a camp to clear out and I'm like oh well, fuck I guess we're clearing out this camp um, but a lot of the side missions even if there's combat they're not just like go to this camp and and do that they're they're more involved and you get some really cool side content there like there's there's a haunted forest that I don't, I don't know if you have found yet. Uh, I shit. love that. But it is I love so that good. It is one of my favorite side quests uh, in that first area. It's just it's see the concept really of good. that sounded more interesting than whenever. Well, never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're you're fine. Well, but, that that well, area was yeah. cool though. But anyway, it's like it's just <clears throat> it's the same area. It's like it's not they didn't change much, but changing the way they lit it and the way they're having you play through the the area is really cool. The yeah, lighting the, is the, so well done in this game. The yeah. people who handled the art direction in this game definitely deserve a, a raise or two because that's like this game has done so much from just people posting pictures on social media, and it's just like that's I had more fun in the actual photo mode than I did with the game because it is the best a, photo mode I have seen yeah. in the game hands down. Uh, they did, yeah, they did a really good job with yeah. with that. Yeah. It does make some of the areas of the game that are more ugly kind of stand out, but uh, and a lot of the faces on the characters are pretty pretty rough, but like. It's it's gorgeous at times for sure. Yeah. The last three things I'll say about it and then we can move on is one, Morgan, I agree with you. Some of the faces have been rough. It was very similar to what we were talking about with the Final Fantasy Seven remake, is you can tell when they've allocated resources and yep. time and money to certain characters and then other characters yeah. look yeah. like a wooden doll. Um I think you will only see more of that for a while. Can't it's offensive to wooden dolls. Thank can't you. wait. Uh second the to touch on the previous thing, one of the last things I wanted to say about that was like, I think that the overtopness of like the art style and the presentation and stuff does carry throughout. I really like how instead of having just like a HUD that they use the wind to kind of guide you on where to go next, it very much adds to the otherworldly presence and feel of the game and it adds to, to like this, just this mythos that's going on in the game. Like the world the essence of the world um and this is a lot of what shintoism and uh, buddhism is based off of will guide you along 
that you don't need to forcibly seek something that it will guide you along if your intentions um, are good. And that's kind of how I kind of envisioned when the wind is kind of prodding you along. And it's, it's really cool. Like I just, yeah, all the, that is little the touches. Best, that is the best like waypoint slash guiding. I do hope we see more of that. It is. It's yeah, so like, well why? done. Why? Why? It is just the fucking best. Uh, it's minimalist, but effective as hell. Well, if you can between, see wind, betw- I mean, between that well, and yes, the uh, yeah, if you're not wind and the golden birds, <laughs> between that and the golden birds, I think they've done yes. such a good job with that. And the golden girls. So. Um, They're Betty White too. is unfortunately not in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, damn, d- damn Maybe shame. A DLC. I think they're in the code somewhere, but they end up cutting that <laughs> Betty content. Betty White just shows up and she's like, come on, follow me. Yeah. Jin, what are you doing? <laughs> Blanche? <laughs> I'm sitting on my couch. What the hell Blanche. is a couch, lady? <laughs> no, the... You're Blanche, man. All right. <laughs> Bla- all right, now we know. All right, the, the, last, the last thing... I'm more I of a do- Sophia guy. <laughs> the last thing I will say about this game um, for now, until I play more of it, is I was getting a lot of feeling of wanting to play Witcher 3 again. And I know there's a smart-ass comment about them both having uh, mediocre Horses. combat, but I'm going to I'm gonna pin that for now. You guys can make that joke later. Um, what I mean by that is the, the main story is fun and interesting and it's compelling, but really where the game shines is the side stories, the side content. And just the general exploration of the world and seeing who and what you run into, what you find and what kind of side stories these characters have and how they develop is very, very reminiscent of Witcher three. It is very reminiscent um, of that. And that's part of the reason why I'm already in love with the game. Not because it reminds me of Witcher three, but because of how compelling they've made those side stories. Like Ishikawa's story. I was in, I was immediately engrossed in that. Um, some of the smaller side missions, like the one I'm doing right now, um, which is the one I was talking about with the white trees, is the Heavenly Strike. Um, I'm trying to track down uh, one of the Mongol people, trying to um, learn the Heavenly Strike and going through the process of finding out where that field of blades is at. That was the mission I was at uh, before Morgan rudely logged into his ps4 and booted me from his profile that but son of a bitch um, yeah i um that's a good maybe one. it's this maybe it's this kid I, I don't know i don't care makes me want to buy the game on my own but anyways um Ugh. just like those side stories those side stories are truly are incredible and they have so much depth to them and i love that about games and that's one of the things i've always loved about open world games dating back all the way to uh morrowind Morrowind, Oblivion, Skyrim, uh, the Fallout series, the Witcher series, um, even, you know, like Grand Theft Auto 3. I loved Grand Theft Auto 3 as a kid. Um, And part of that was like those little side missions that you'd run into. And I love that about games. And when they're able to make the side missions and stories as compelling as the main stuff, even if you're doing mundane stuff like running into a camp to kill a bunch of people, if there's a purpose for it like you do in Ishikawa's uh, side story, it's more compelling as a result. And I, I really love that about this game so far. Um, I just wanted to note that because like, I remember I was playing and I was running through a field and I was like, this reminds me so much of like exploring the Witcher three. And it kind of makes me want to play the Witcher three immediately after this again. Yeah. But, go forge some armor. 
That's right. But yeah, I yeah, I'm really I had the same exact the thought that you did, honestly. Like, but like different like recourse. I was like, yeah, this game makes me want to play The Witcher Three because they actually did a good job. But <laughs> I just wasn't as interested in the the stuff as you were. I'm actually kind of shocked to hear Ghost of Tsushima is great. Were, it's a fun game. Ghost Ghost is a fun game so far. Um, I'm I can't wait to delve more into it. Uh, I have a week only, to only forty it. hours to go. You know what I, dude? I, I got the platinum in about fifty hours, so it's not bad. Well, I I'm not really worried about the platinum because I'm playing on Morgan's profile, so I don't. Oh care well, don't help that. him. So, yeah, no, that's that's just morally wrong, and you yeah. definitely shouldn't do it then. Because people no. will think he accomplished a thing. He's not on my. He's not on my profile. I am. I am. That's how it works. What? So I'm technically. You're... I have to be to verify the license. Me. He has to log in as you. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. So, like, huh. when you log into your PlayStation, he can't play. I, I'm booted. I can't play. I thought you. I thought you just download it to your PlayStation from my account, and then you have it. No, but like because you're the one who bought it, it's tied to your PlayStation account. He has to be logged in as you. To play it, it's different. It's different where like Josh shares his Steam library. He's giving us access. Like he's, yeah, they have a family share option on Steam. Right, like the, the like that that allows that gives you permission. To and do you know, that. this podcast yeah. is the Olive Garden. When you're here, your family. Yeah, yeah. So every week with you, we need to get sponsorship. Jesus, from really, yeah. really, really quick before we move on, I've been giving this a lot of thought since Morgan said it, and I figured out which Golden Girls we are. Um, I'm sorry, Morgan. Uh, Shay is actually Blanche. Oh, um, you're, you're Rose. Uh, I am obviously Sophia, and uh, Josh is Dorothy. Yeah, that's that. That all that all tracks. Wait, I only remember three of them. There's well, four there's four. Fuck! I feel like I'm really shortchanging wow. one of them. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I've never seen an episode of Golden Girls. I don't know who any of those characters are. Oh my goodness. Well, Blanche is the, the sexually girl. promiscuous one. Yeah, that's all I had when I couldn't get skin yeah. bags. Okay, um, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's Rose bad. is the dumb one. <laughs> uh, Rose is the the quirky one that everyone loves. Well, yeah, it's Betty White, but she's also kind of ditzy. I mean, that's uh, open to interpretation. Uh, anyways, all right, so we have a breakdown of Ghost of Tsushima, so we'll check back on that, I am sure. Um, let's see. Oh, guess what, guys? Pop quiz. Brr, jazz hands. Brr. Everybody get ready for the your... The Breckenridge two- jazz hands? Get- <laughs> You're calling it back, calling it back. All right, everybody. That's right. We continue our epic pop quiz this week. With two more incredible questions as we continue to build hype for what is bound to be the greatest game of all time, a solid 80 Metacritic, Crash Bandicoot 4. All right, so let's get right into it. Again, Josh, don't crush the competition. Um, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Stomping them with their Crash Bandicoot knowledge. All right, so no cheating, Josh. Just get to it. Um, Josh, this is a cheat. Last week, we talked about a character named Tana that was Crash Bandicoot's original girlfriend. I swear to fuck, if you ask what size her breasts are, I'm done with this podcast forever. I swear to fuck if you If ask they that. manage... That's it? That's all I have to do to make you leave forever is talk about Tana? You're close. Um, this, is a real, this is real trivia. That's troubling. 
Tana was based off of a real, extremely notorious, popular celebrity. Her design was based off the celebrity. Who was it? No cheating. Shay, no cheating. Type your answers in three, two, one, and type. Josh said Madonna. And Rich and Shay cheated, I guess. It, it's funny uh, after. Oh, wait, we were right? You were right, yeah. I thought right. he was actually. Anderson. I, I thought Josh I just was actually the name right. That rhymed. No, but here's the thing. How did you guys know that? Because it's, she has massive breasts and she has blonde hair. And it was the and 90s. During that time, she was doing Baywatch. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny as Josh, you know, what you reminded me of uh, from what I read Console Wars in the original uh, write ups for Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic had a girlfriend named Madonna who they got rid of. Hmm. Wow. Thank God. Hey, good job. Kind of dodged hey, the bullet and, there. Uh, Rich are on the board. Thanks, Rich. Congratulations. Ready? High five. Three, two, one. Josh I was going to just like knock my camera off. <laughs> <laughs> just fuck this camera. Man, Pim Landers, that takes me back. Um, no, all right, no, so... it doesn't. It doesn't do that here. You're not going back. We're we're not. We're in the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can we take a trip through time? Um, all right, so congratulations to Shay and Rich. Now the second question and the last question of the week is: Crash Bandicoot was originally a different animal. That's right. He had a, and if you get two points, a bonus point if you guess. The original name of Crash Bandicoot. It was not a Bandicoot. I definitely don't know that. His name was not Crash. All right. Answers in three, two, one, and type. Slim the Armadillo, Dingo, and Shay said William Wallaby. Man, Shay, you were actually oddly close. You were all you were so close on accident. It was Willie. Willie <laughs> the Wombat. Oh, the Wombat. That makes more sense. Wombat. Yeah. yeah. Willie. Okay. I knew it, I knew it was another um outback animal. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm pretty sure wombats are marsupials, actually. Yes, they are. I just want our audience to know so much about Crash before the greatest eight out of ten of video game ever drops on October second, by the way. So Crash Bandicoot four. It's about time. Um, congratulations to nobody on that one. I almost want to give Shay a fourth of a point because Will William is like almost Willie, but not really. Um, but I don't. Willie, not I... really. Willie, not really. Willie, not. My second guess was Chili Willie. And remember, a wombat is not a wombax. I learned that the hard way. That's mm-hmm. correct. Um, but good job, guys. Pam Landerson, you got you guys got it on the board. Um. You know, we. <laughs> I do love the idea of like a weird segment where I'm just like tootling Josh on something really useless, like Crash Bandicoot knowledge that he doesn't need at all. Because um, I feel like Josh has all this vast array of knowledge. But Josh, Crash how much do you know about Star Fox lore? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, more than I should after playing the GameCube version. Let me tell. Let me tell you a little something about <laughs> Grippy Toad. Mm-hmm. Remember, that's the ultimate Star Fox what? fact. There are zero games on. <laughs> There's zero games for the Nintendo Wii about Wario. There's one game for the Nintendo Wii about Slippy Toad's uncle, Grippy Toad. <laughs> uh-huh. Ooh, Grippy Toad. Um, all right, so let's move on. We got some amazing polls to get to, and by the way... Um, Darkest Dungeon. Oh, fuck. God, I totally forgot about that. Um, You're not done with that? We don't have polls to get to. We have Darkest Dungeon to get to. 
It'll be um, real quick. It'll be a few minutes. I no, promise. no, you're fine. You're fine. I put that on there, so um, the breaks taking the breaks threw me off, but we'll have some cool breaks to edit in some promo material. So, yeah. Um, really quickly, I I finally finished that game. Thank God. I will never, probably never touch that game again. Um, I really enjoyed that game, but it was glowing endorsement. <laughs> look, it's it's a fun game, but it it like the way I played it was very very bad of me. Uh, just trying to power through it to finish it was not the right thing to do. And at the end, I spent probably close to ten hours looking for one item, and I never found it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Cool. it's just just the way I tried to play it was not the right way to play it but um did you listen to that finger 11 song while you're looking for that item if i traded it oh if no. i gave it all away for one thing wouldn't that be something we're on a we're on a, we're on a tight schedule here hours later. i would I, say I, to stop i want to i want to trade that audio file for something better than what just happened. An, but anyways, an aneurysm. <laughs> anyways, uh, no, it's so one thing I wanted to mention that I noticed about the game. I don't even know where to start with this is that, uh, I mentioned this to the guys privately. One of the things I seemed to notice as I got further into the game, that the dice rolls seem to become less random and they seem to be more stacked against you. And I don't know if that's on purpose or not, um, if that's just the way it worked. But um, to be fully and um, completely honest, I definitely save scummed a few times in that game. Um, I don't mind admitting that because I I wanted to. He's the one right here, officer. Yeah. No. And no, that's 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 worth it. Like some of these, some games just really want you to save scum some games just want to watch the world burn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well just like that that game in particular it's so easy to lose a character off yeah. of a bad dice roll and the thing is it takes hours for you to get a character to the max level to have enough money to max out their equipment and their abilities and i was already at that point trying to finish it and i was like i don't have the patience or the time to want to continually lose characters and try and um, build them back up again. Uh, so mm-hmm. I totally safe scum. I have no problem with that. But uh, the the issue was that I would go back into fights multiple times, and the same attacks would miss. So it seemed like the game wanted you to use other moves of yours, um, basically to do certain things. But it was funny. It wasn't like. It makes it seem like, well, then maybe the game really isn't random, but it still is random because there are a few times where uh, certain attacks would miss repeatedly, even though I was safe scumming, but I would use the same attack by a different character and that one would hit. And sometimes it would be for more damage or less damage or crit or it would miss. So the dice rolls were sometimes working, but it seemed like at certain points in the game, the further you got in that they were kind of stacking it in the favor of the computer to make it more difficult. Yeah, stacking the deck. And it was extremely, extremely frustrating because then you have characters that are are enemies um, that seem like at the beginning of the game that were seemingly random, that they Mm -hmm. would do things at random. And then when you get towards the end of the game, 
you have these characters that are playing like actual players. They're like, okay, um, I told you guys the two main ways that you inflict damage in this game are normal damage or stress level damage. And if you get yeah. to 200 stress uh, level of 200, your character has a heart attack. And if they're already in critical condition, they die. Um, it's called death Jeez. blow. And so there, there can be, you know, four characters that deal physical damage, three characters that deal physical and one that deals stress two and two, like there's whole mixtures of it. So if you have a, if you have uh, enemies that more than one that can deal stress damage towards the end of the game, they will all target their stress attacks at one character. And that doesn't happen in the first three fourths of the game. So then they start, localizing their attacks and it's like it's like a typical player would do right like it's a typical strategy and it was it was a little bit perplexing that the game didn't quite build you up for that it just you had to discover it on your own that like okay the enemies get smarter with their strategy and their attacks and Mm, um learning it wasn't necessarily a bad thing it was a frustrating thing i will say that um which is the whole premise of this game pain the game like i said um yeah but uh that's like that's kind of the bad thing and the other bad thing is like uh there there are these special items called ancestors trinkets and there's an uh trophy in the game to basically find all of them now you come across these little uh i don't know uh, monuments in the game they're called shambler's altars and if you put a torch into it, you basically warped into a different dimension and you have to fight this like very difficult creature called a shambler. And if you defeat him, then you get an ancestor's trinket, a randomized one. Throughout almost the entire game, I constantly ran into these altars and you can just avoid them. Like you can completely ignore them. Towards the end of the game, when I needed two more ancestor's trinkets, I found one in 10 hours. There's nowhere so, to yeah. Jesus. And I was like, I don't know if the game is on purpose trying to do this or is this just my bad luck or what the hell is going on? But it seemed like they seemingly just magically all disappeared right when I needed it. And maybe that's coincidence too, too who knows? But um, it's just like the random dice roll stuff. I like it if it's done correctly in a game. And this one, it felt like they manipulated those dice rolls to make it more difficult. And I can't stand that about a game. Like if that's what you have to do, you have to manipulate the luck in order to make a game more difficult. You don't have the capabilities to make a good difficulty setting in a game. And I like at that point, like when you know the, the luck of the game is being stacked against you, it's, it's not fun anymore. It's not fun. It completely drags you out of the experience. When you know all they're doing is turning up the sliders to make everything just a little bit more challenging. It's like there's no thought put into that. Right. Exactly. And um, it's it's that's why I, I, you know, I kind of left in part left the game with such a sour taste in my mouth is because I had enjoyed the game for the first three quarters of the game. And then when you start experiencing that kind of stuff, that's not fun anymore. Like that's yeah. not fun as a gamer to experience that. Like when the totally. lo- like the dice rolls are being stacked against you. But um, that's the bad. Here's the good. I want to say, um, and this is kind of what where I'll leave the game on. Uh, once you build up your characters and you fought all of the bosses, you can even do it before you fight all the bosses. 
fighting them all is not necessary. But you've built up enough characters um, to have their max level, their max equipment, uh, their max skill trees and whatnot. You go into what's called the Darkest Dungeon. And it is the hardest um, place in the game. So you have to go through it, uh, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, three or four times. Three times. So the first time, it's like a short um, uh, mission, and then you fight a boss. Now, after you do that, those four characters can't go in the dungeon anymore and fight. Like, they're done. Like, they cannot go in there and fight again. So you have to have enough of a variety of a cast of characters to know to to be able to go back into that dungeon again because you have to go in with four brand new characters and the second one is this extremely extremely long dungeon and if you fight this particular enemy they'll warp you to a different part of the dungeon it is the longest dungeon in the game and it was awesome like i i i loved it and then the third um, part is you get into this uh, final fight and it's like this three tiered boss that is extremely difficult and it was so much fun and the reason why it was fun is because up until that point the environments are based off where you go they're like four little dungeon areas you can go one's like a more of like a fisherman's wharf area it's like haunted mm-hmm. fisherman's wharf one's a warren where um, a bunch of like swine enemies are and it's very like saw-esque um but this one was completely designed differently the the vibe of it was awesome the music was different uh the character design or the enemy designs in there were cool and the final boss the way it was designed and curated you could tell a lot of love was put into um the design work of that game like the art design and um the like the vibe of what they're trying to go for and it was really fun it was probably coincidentally my favorite part of the game which is the end which is arguably the hardest part and i definitely died a few times but the 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 final boss fight was so fucking epic because you have to fight it in three different forms and it got to the point and this is one where i didn't save scum you know this is i was like i'm not going to save scum the final boss and i wanted to but i didn't and like i was fighting him and he killed off one of my characters and he has like a sliver of health left and then he kills off two more of my characters and then my final character that's left can't deal any damage to him because the way like the way that it works is your characters are in a certain position in the game and mm-hmm. they have moves that they can only deal in that position. So mm. the last character that's left with the position that that character's in can't deal any damage to the enemy or to the boss. So the boss has a sliver of health left. My character's on the brink of dying, like literally on the brink of dying. And yeah. Because I afflicted some blight damage, which is like poison damage, that wiped out the boss at the last second, and I was able to Damn. win the game with this character that almost died. Like we were both at so. In a way, up. did you have a good dice roll to kind of finish it? Funnily enough, I did. Yeah, you know. Uh, funnily enough, I did. And just the way the game ended, um, taught, like the story was not, like I wasn't really that interested in the story to be honest with you. But just the way the game ended, the vibe it. Um, the the way it wraps up what little story it had was cute and poignant and it was a lot of fun and uh it it thankfully made me have a happy note on a game I would have completely soured on had it not been so good at the end yeah. so um i guess what i want to say is like the 
at the end of the day, this game is a lot of fun. It's an extremely challenging, difficult game. Um, it will frustrate you at times. I would play it in increments, like uh, one hour a night. Like do one dungeon a night if you want to do it that way. Um, do not try and pack it all into a few weeks because it's a, an extremely long game. It's a, an extremely stressing and frustrating game. And if you get stressed at all by video games, even a sliver, you will get stressed by this game in real life. And it is a very frustrating game. It is a fun game. And I like if you enjoy difficult, challenging puzzle or not puzzle strategy games, sure, give it a try. If you find it on sale. I like the that sounds yeah, yeah. That's that's. Uh, I'm glad you ended up finishing on a positive note because that would have been rough. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Also, weirdly, coincidentally, that is a game I'm still interested in. I just <laughs> Josh didn't. Ironically, the one game Josh did not have on Steam. Yeah, um, I got that on games. Switch. I mean, look, I'm yeah. pretty sure I bought that one on Switch. Before you realized that you were like, oh, this is not the kind of game I want. I can always, I can always give you access to my PlayStation account, actually, Morgan, and then you can just play it off of mine. That's true. I always feel dirty doing that, but I appreciate it. It's a kind gesture. Um, you feel dirty about it, but then you literally just talked about 30 seconds ago. Josh doesn't have it on his account. I'm a little, I'm a little confused <laughs> on where the morality is Well, it's is just there. the way, it's the way PlayStation does it. It just feels a little bit more, I don't know, it's different. But I'm glad. I'm glad you're able to do it. Um, yeah. Anyways, that's cool. That's cool. Darkest Dungeon is done in the books. Thank uh, God. When is yeah? The long national nightmare is over. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. The, the dungeon incident of 2020 is officially over with. Now onto this whole coronavirus thing. We have some polls to get to every week. You know it. You vote on Tuesday on the at Swordchomp Instagram page, and we discuss a bunch of mini topics. Bada bing, bada boom. It's about 10 minutes of rapid fire, hilarity, madness, and horniness all wrapped into one delicious three-layer burrito. Shove it down your throat. If anyone's horny during it. this, you're the only one. <laughs> get that? I did. What was I say? I said horniness, hilarity, and I tuned out after madness? that because it was confusing. Uh. <laughs> Really? Three layers in the burrito is too confusing? Come on. Well, Put one of them is like sexual arousal, yeah. All right, well, that's, <laughs> that's the least confusing. All right, anyways, uh, first I want to say, yeah, Rich, I did get around to watching Midsommar. Um, is that how it's pronounced, Midsommar? Uh, yeah, you could pronounce it Midsummer. You could say whatever you'd like. Hmm. Well, it's it's spelled differently, I know, because it's, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's the, the foreign Midsummer. So I would like to pronounce it as... I bless the rains down in Africa. For legal reasons, you cannot. Oh, okay. Sorry. There was some blessing going on. Yeah, it's just one of those horror movies that kind of sticks out as one people talk about for a long time, um, and uh, it's right up my alley. So I, I finally did check it out. And def- the night, man, one thing I love in life is when you sit I was, like, playing another game that shall remain nameless for now. And it was fine, but I was kind of falling asleep. I turned on this movie, and I was just like, wide awake suddenly and it was just so cool i love it when you like uh find whatever it is television games whatever it is that just you know we try to break things down and have debates about how good or bad things are but it's funny sometimes it's just how compelled you are it's like oh i was falling asleep i put this movie on i could not go to sleep until it was done um so yeah it was it was really florence Pooh was in she's an incredible actress um i'll save you the horniness here i will say that it did drive me to 
to f- download this wrestling movie called Fighting with Fa- Fighting with Fighting family, with My Family, uh, which is a, a movie that Stephen Merchant I think wrote directed one of the two. He's one of the original. It writers is a movie the about Office. Paige from WWE. Is yeah, it's about a wrestler um, that I have never heard of in my life, but I was trying to follow all She's this. A uh, very popular diva. Is she is she still a popular diva? Yeah, Paige. Absolutely. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyways, if Florence Pooh is like kind of her breakout role, I guess the movie, it made, it made money. It was somewhat successful, but it was kind of, you know, it's hard to sell a wrestling movie to mass audiences. I was looking at some of the worldwide box office numbers. Uh, and, but you know, it's, it's a better movie than I thought it was going to be because Stephen Merchant was a big part of it. And he's a big part of like the British office and a bunch of, uh, stuff like that. I I also enjoyed that movie. Yeah, it was it was not it was it was kind of like your sort of like um generic feels kind of movie, you know, um like a crowd pleaser in a way, but like more a little more endearing and a little more clever than you expected it to be. Uh and The Rock was in there and The Rock is great. The Rock is in there playing himself. Yes. Yes, he got to play himself. Well, cuz I mean in he really is the one who like sort of championed her uh when she was coming up. In really? The WWE. Oh, was- yeah. So yeah, because it was all based on a true story. I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. So the nicest thing I'd say about Midsummer is I loved it so much that I went and watched this wrestling movie. So God, <laughs> all because of Florence Pugh, uh, which I love dearly. But yeah, Midsummer is incredible. I could debate the ending with some people. I had one issue with it, um, but man, it's got shades of like Hostel, which is not a movie I love. I don't really love Hostel that much, but it's entertaining. Um, I get what you, that, you mean by that. It's a little bit more culty than that, but... Uh. Hostel? Yeah. Hostel's more of a... Yeah, it's a cult Eli Roth kind of a thing where it's... I Man, I could go into it, but I had a very specific date memory of... Yes, but let's not. Banging this girl, and then we watched Hostel for a couple hours. That's a weird thing to do after sex. Well, she was just like, I'm really into those movies, and I was like, oh, no, we're not going to be compatible, but let's watch it anyway. Um anyways that movie's whatever it's fine but uh there's that there's that trope that a lot of movies do in horror movies where it's like the foreign you go over to the foreign country and you're just like you know people are like stacking the cards against you and they're trying to deceive you into all you know it makes scares me into going to another country honestly i'm afraid that i'm gonna go to another country and someone's gonna cut me you don't have to worry about that these days no one lets americans in anymore yeah, it's true. I mean, even once this coronavirus stuff is over, they're not letting they're us pr- back in. Yeah, I don't see how, after all it's, this, they'd ever go back on it. It's going to be like they three they presidents could. down the line before they start letting some of us in. Yeah, they realized they could. They just didn't have to put up with our shit. And, uh, like, oh, we could just say no? Uh-huh. Uh, the, I watched it on Amazon Prime, by the way, and one of the things I love about Prime is there's a lot of great movies on there. A lot of people don't talk yeah. about Amazon Prime. It rotates but... pretty fast compared to a lot of the other streaming stuff, so you've got you've to gotta watch it, because some really cool stuff will come on there and then be gone in, like, a month. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and Hereditary's on there, too, on. so I need to track that down. Mm-hmm. Um, Hereditary's great. Anyway, Midsummer. Loved it. Uh, I This poll I found personally a little bit offensive but i'm required contractually to talk about it with you guys um i was hoping to come back like 50 50 but this is once again me underestimating the power of the beard uh and we live in a weird world now where people love kratos i'll tell you this when remember back in the day kratos was like the butt of a joke people fucking he was like the angry guy everyone hated and now we've had like one semi-serious uh game and people fucking think kratos is like the greatest 
a thing in the world. So I am in the minority there. Obviously, people fucking love Kratos. Um, <clears throat> I think he's a good character. I just had no idea people loved him that much because uh, I put him up against Ellie, which shattered pretty much... Anytime I put Ellie up in a poll, she crushed everyone. And then I said, who is the quintessential PS4 iconic character? Uh, and it came back like 70-30. Sly Cooper. Uh, for <laughs> We never got that PS4. To be fair, I mean... Jin Sakai. It's the creative uh, character in Bloodborne. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sack boy. I did, I did put like two hours into God of War this week just for funsies. Um... Yeah, and uh, they 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 do a really good job with Kratos, but I'm still just surprised that people really like, wish they like finished him that, that game. much. Yeah. It's a great game. I would I would love <laughs> to see past the first act. No, well, all games are trilogies now. You know that, Josh. Mm-hmm. Funny observation I had: I tried to play that game without a HUD after my whole Last of Us obsession, and it is not a great game to play without a HUD because it is not a game that makes sense to play without a HUD. Mm-hmm. Well, they they actually encourage it. That's why they include a lot of those uh, no HUD options. I mean, they inc- a lot of people encourage a lot of things that don't make sense. The 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 most annoying thing, the, the weirdest thing about it compared to like a shooter is that you'd be fighting a guy for what felt like an eternity because <laughs> you can't see a health bar. So you're just like, I've been slapping this guy for like. I just 20 don't minutes. understand wanting that whatever that level of immersion is. Be like, I'm not gonna forget I'm playing God of War because there's no HUD. <laughs> Like, no. uh, I'll take the, the readouts, thank you very much. It looked really, really nice. And that's one thing, that game on a pro looks fucking great. It's, like, definitely one, two, top one or two games I'd probably on the system for just visuals. But, yeah, I'm excited to, I'll probably shelve it until the, they announce the next God of War, and then I'll try and go back to it to hype myself up. But, yeah, that opening fight with Baldur is great. I love that. that it's, it's a little long-winded, but that opening fight where Baldur comes in, and you've, and you, I didn't know, you don't know who it is at the time, it's just some, like, skinny little bearded guy spoilers like, by the way he's like oh i'm the drummer from mastodon and i want to beat you up and it's just like poof, poof, they start beating the shit out of each other uh Except but it's like the a drummer dry... from mastodon doesn't have a beard oh you're right you're right i should sell like the guitarist or the bassist. idiot or there you go <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd um that fight is it's like dragon ball z that fight is really cool i really love that fight he's like grabbing trees and throwing them at yeah each no other. there's some really great moments of like these two men who are clearly like gods yeah fighting <laughs> like yep it's uh it's definitely a, a really strong opening so yeah and uh i i just want to kind of te- stick my you know put my feet in the water there a little bit to remember what God of War was like after that poll. But yeah, it, do you think there's anyone I could put up against Kratos that would win right now? I mean, God of War is pretty hot. Like, do you think Peter Parker any, as a PS4 icon? I don't know. It's just, yeah, that's a, baby. Insomniacs, Peter Parker. Dude, I'd try it if you want me to. I just I'm don't telling know. you to. I bet you. I bet you. Yeah. Well, not even just Peter Parker, but Spider Man. Sometimes they what do does Peter, Peter Parker have to do with Spider-Man? You know, yep, there it is. I'm not He's gonna... just a mild-mannered citizen. <laughs> it's true. It's a photographer at the Daily Bugle. I'm not going to talk shit on the voters or the polls. Uh, okay, Trump. But sometimes I think people conflate like the question. They, you know, they're like, oh, I just love God of War so much. I'm just going to Kratos. I don't get it. Whatever. Or maybe maybe they just are tired of 
Morgan. Um, to be honest with you, they're probably tired of hearing you talk about The Last of Us literally every week. And some people probably voted for Kratos just to spite you. I know I did. It's possible. It's possible. But I don't really talk about it that much on the Instagram, so as much lately. No, but, but uh, like those same people are listening to the show and they're like, good God, give it a rest. I mean, you talk about Darkest Dungeon probably more than The Last of Us. But, uh, <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> uh, what can you do? People are crazy. Let's see. What do we got here? Oh, this is, a, this is an interesting one. The audience was split on Halo having skyboxes. Um, couldn't really make any headway there. So, How did we get back uh, here? It, it seemed like they like the 52% saying no is a little bit of a win there. A little bit. I mean... Not much, but it's a little bit. Yeah, that's still surprising to me because it's not known for its skyboxes. Literally nothing is known for its skyboxes, but somehow it keeps coming up. Just, uh, Josh, is what I want you to do for me. You go to YouTube. Don't do this. Halo skyboxes. I swear to God, I'm going to find your channel. Just just look into Halo skyboxes. Google Halo skyboxes. I promise you. Josh, there's so much more you can do at the time it's going to take to do this. When it first started, it was just because you could see, like, the ring and the whole galaxy and everything. That was when the term first started um, that I first heard it. So, Mm. kids these days. So it's famous for having a sky. It was like um, they just were famous for having really impressive skyboxes because there weren't a lot of games where you're like, oh, I'm just going to stare out into the galaxy. You know what I mean? Like that was a big thing about Halo is you could see the Halo ring while you were on, you know, like that second world and stuff like that. So it's cool. Anyways, look it up. But I did just for you guys. I put one of the options was what? So I did that just for you guys. Hmm. Because I hate you. Uh, let's. <laughs> Everyone. I'm living a. I'm lost in a world of madness. Just wrong people left and right. Trapped in a glass case of emotion. Oh, thank you for that. That made me feel. Now there's better. a reference I haven't heard in many years. That movie un- does not hold up, sadly. Anchorman. It, no, it absolutely does. It absolutely does. Oh. Anchorman 2 is not a good movie. I watched Anchorman, my wife, and she lost all respect for me as a human being. Which there wasn't Who very cares? much there. She you had respect for you as a human. Was this being? like fifteen years bit. ago? Okay. A little bit. A he earned bit. some back with with him getting that mustache, but okay. <laughs> but that's gone now. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I'm Ron a... Burgundy. You should have been like, well, you, ma'am, look like a blueberry. <laughs> the schnozberries taste like schnozberries. I mean, there's that's a couple. not the same movie. <laughs> I know. I'm just doing my own thing. No, that's now that's a movie that really doesn't hold up. That's uh, true. Yeah. What? Super Troopers? Oh. Okay. The opening Yeah, I, I haven't seen Super Troopers in a long time, but I, I'm willing to believe that. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, a lot of comedy is very much of the time, so... I'm sure, like, I went back and watched Pineapple Express, which I loved. It probably doesn't hold up either. It probably feels very... It's a stoner movie. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a good one to end it. Yeah, there was a poll about Fall Guys. People voted with the scientific slider. They said they seem to be enjoying it. Blah, 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 blah. This is a good way to end the show. Um, 60 per- 60% of our audience, roughly, said that they were not super excited about the new Suicide Squad game from Rocksteady, which is an opinion that Josh had on the last show that I was actually surprised because people I, seem to be excited about everything Rocksteady does. I don't understand why that's surprising to you, though. Like, it's... 
Suicide Squad carries such a negative connotation in mainstream media at after this point. The, after the movie. That movie is awful. But but people are generally wise enough to know that, number one, Rocksteady has made nothing but great stuff. Okay, but that's not the point. Like, It's the movie. If the movie if, has if nothing to do with the game. If they're doing an IP no one's interested in, who's going to care? Also, like, I know enough about that IP outside of the movie to care about it, but also the idea of Rocksteady doing this, like, mission-based co-op game is not necessarily the game I want to see from Rocksteady either. They said it's a mission-based co-op game? It's likely... I know it's a co-op game, so I'm going to assume it's probably mission-based. I think it's going to have more in common with the Avengers game Crystal Dynamics is putting out than anything. Hmm. That whole thing kind of bums me out. Yeah. Because it's like people are waiting for years, like, what is Rocksteady making? What is Rocksteady making? But, what is uh, Rocksteady making? I mean, yeah. I don't know if you saw the DC fandoms kind of, like, itinerary today, so it looked, that game is officially called Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Um, And it looks like the game uh, WB Montreal is working on is called Gotham Knights. So that's mm. presumably a Batman game. Well, WB Montreal, yeah. Go ahead, Shane. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, it's probably not going to be a well-received game uh, just because of the movie. I hope it is. You're saying. But, I mean, it has nowhere to go but up at this point. I, I mean, like, there was not a really good, like, a really good Spider-Man game until it came out for the PS4. Uh, there weren't a lot of good Star Wars games until, I mean... De- I love episode one pod racer. I know it has a cult following, but debatably yeah. the first true which, Star Wars game that, that was loved Switch. was KOTOR. Yeah, me too. I need to. I really need me to get too. that on Switch again. But KOTOR was the get first a sit Star down Wars cabinet. game that was well received by many people, and that took years and years of uh, mediocre Star Wars games getting made until that point. And maybe, and like since, like uh, the reason why I bring those, uh, both those franchises and those games up is because they've kind of turned around that narrative. Um, there have been some awesome Star Wars games since then. A lot of people are looking to the Miles, looking forward to the Miles Morales um add-on or addition, whatever you want to call it. It's a new uh, game. To, yeah, that the Spider-Man um, game. Yeah, yeah. So maybe with Suicide Squad, maybe this will be a good game and it'll kind of turn around public perception of. Uh, sorry, there's somebody laying on their horn outside. Um. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was bad. Um, that'll change the public perception of Suicide Squad. You know, obviously it's uh, at an all-time low, so has nowhere to go but up or stay the same. Yeah. I hope it does well. Me too. I hope it's a pleasant surprise. I'm not it expecting is, much, but... It is ballsy for them to jump in on a game that has that kind of... Like you said, you guys... I'm separating well, it in my mind because I know Rock City has done great stuff, but... Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. Like, the DC movies have all been fucking train wrecks. So, like, uh, Wonder Woman's good. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's the only one that I'd really consider. Shazam's also really good. <laughs> I forgot about Shazam. Yeah. Was oh, Aquaman good? I had been sitting on my Netflix. Oh god, yeah. it was awful. It's... But there was hot people in it, and they looked hot. Jason Momoa. Huh. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. People rode on sharks, which is actually kind of cool, but the movie was trash. That's disappointing. I like Jason Momoa, so. We got Amber that Herder's from worth the... my ten dollars. <sighs> there wasn't is is Wonder Woman really the best DC movie. I thought there was one more that was pretty good. What was the best? Wonder Woman is fantastic. 
Yeah. Wonder Woman. Well, and yeah, nobody counts the um, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies as really Those that modern. Those so long ago. Yeah. I and guess so. There was one good one. Oh, yeah. Come on, Josh. The first one. Yeah. You didn't. You Second didn't like one was good too. Come on. It's not a Batman movie. Well, I mean, they're all good, but they're different degrees of good. Ah, uh, Dark Knight Rises was kind of rough. To be fair, Dark Knight Rises. Was, I went there on my birthday and I was drunk, bad. so I don't really remember that movie. <laughs> the fire rises. <laughs> I was born in the... All right, well, um, well, yeah, I hope... We're all optimistic that that'll be a good game, uh, for sure. But, yeah, Josh, people are like you. That Suicide Squad name brings the bad vibes. (laughs) Bring bring the pain. I mean, it's possible. Like, the new Harley Quinn show kind of shows that the characters there are still good. Like, you can do interesting stuff with them. But King yeah. Shark. <laughs> God, now that you say that, just give me that lineup. Specific, give me right. like Harley, Poison Ivy, Clayface, King Shark. Uh, give me fucking Kite Man. Give me Kite Man or give me Death. Mm-hmm. The amount of cartoons you and Rich watch is alarming to me. Uh, oh, Shay's giving me that look too. I'm gonna get out of here before I get. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all watch you wrap this up no, before you make a couple it's, enemies. It's not that I completely disagree with you. It's just that it's a very strange stance on a gaming podcast. Uh, I'm just yeah, I'm just messing with you. I'm sure I watch. <laughs> I watch children's child as I argue about my video games. <laughs> I do get I do get slightly excited when my daughter puts on Madagascar. I'm like, okay, that's not the worst movie ever. Um, well, come on, guys. <laughs> I just I gave you that look because you and I used to quote the regular show all the time. Fucking love that show. Well, I I watched it because my daughter. That's tough. Let's be on time for this. We don't have time for this. No, let's be honest. You watch it because you love that show. I'm trying to decide if I would have watched it by myself. That's what I'm trying to think of in my head, and I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of which, I've got a bunch of cartoon recommendations for you so the kids don't completely destroy your brain watching the shit out there. It's true. Mm-hmm. Please do. YouTube has ruined uh, modern children because they watch all this like new age yeah. YouTube garbage. Yeah, my youngest watches Let's Plays and cooking shows all the time on YouTube. Oh, that's nice, actually. Which is weird that... Like, he watches so many Let's Plays, but just, like, yeah. If I have yeah. kids, they'll only watch uh, Iron Chef on Hulu, nothing else. <laughs> they won't, until they turn 14, they won't be given access to anything but old episodes of Iron Chef. Oh, mm-hmm. man. You will Classic sit down Iron and Chef. watch the Golden Girls until <laughs> they're, you they're gonna think White. They're going to just think that's what TV is. They'll be really confused when I reveal to them there's so much more than Iron Chef. Right. You know, when I was younger, I hated seafood so much that if they revealed the ingredient on Iron Chef and it was seafood, I would lose my appetite and I couldn't eat for real Mm. in real life for a while. It was very strange. And and you shame other people for watching cartoons. (laughs) When you could have just watched cartoons and you would have never been exposed to that horror. If only they could have protected me from the hell. I will say this, though, an interesting factor that people don't realize. My daughter watches TV shows about kids playing with, like, dolls, Barbies, and action figures and stuff. And they just kind of pretend. You know, you don't see the people's face. They just kind of play and they have storyline stuff. And that encourages her to play. Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Knock on my door! I don't know what that is. 
but it encourages her to play with her own dolls and stuff because she's watching TV about people. And it's weird because when I was a kid, I was watching the actual movies that the toys were based on. And now she's, she would name characters from Disney movies. She's never seen because people have played with the toy of it on, on YouTube. And then she plays with that toy. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is so weird. To fully to fully swerve into what you're talking about, because like <laughs> I was gonna give you shit for sounding like an old head, but I rem- so during this past Christmas, I went to this like Christmas party back when people could gather together. In the before and, times, and um, <laughs> the long I, uh, long ago, I was hanging out at like this uh, person's house that I'd met one time with my buddy, and this couple came in with their daughter. And this daughter was totally rambunctious and wild and no one was paying attention to her. And I, I didn't really feel like being social. So I was like, I'll just hang out with her the whole party. And we just like danced to like Halloween videos and stuff like that. And she puts on this video of this girl playing with um, toys. And like this thing is like, like I've watched this like 11 minute long video of this, like this girl being like, Okay, so this one's doing here, and like it's just like really terrible acting. Welcome to my house. Playing with her toys, and like I I assumed it was her brother or her childhood friend Uh, or something, but like it was like spliced together amateur footage, and like like they were trying to make a thing out of it, and I was like, who the hell watches this? And it had millions of views, and I was like, like look, I don't understand this because as a child, like I would not have dared watch any of this shit, like. I would have been either outside playing or I would have been like watching something like fucking Blues Clues or uh, Rugrats or uh, Doug or I would have been playing video games. And the there's a there's a I was watching uh, Jim Jeffries uh, newest stand up and it's pretty mediocre. But there there was one thing he was talking about. And he's like, millennials, you are the fucking worst people that has ever existed. And he's, and like, uh, of course the, the audience laughed at themselves cause they're all in that age range. But, um, the, the thing he was saying is like every generation, uh, knows that they're like progressive, like they move the needle forward. And so he's like, millennials aren't special. And he said, it's going to get to the point to where, um, like time has kind of moved past you. And you're you're sitting there thinking to yourself, back in my day, women had dicks and men had vaginas, and that was the normal. And like, like he obviously goes off on this tangent with his joke, um, but it made me realize it was very introspective. Obviously, like because we are we all fall in that millennial category, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do, not all of them, but like we're very slowly going to start going towards that route now, where like things are going to be happening in popular media and whatnot. And we're going to be like, you know, I don't quite understand it. So like video games are going to start going that direction. Like Morgan, you're talking about with like YouTube videos. I don't understand that shit at all. Like the mm-hmm. ch- watch, watching other children play with their toys and this amateur half baked, like sh- weekly show or daily show, but people like it, whatever. It doesn't affect me. Fuck it. It's none of my business. It's like a, uh... It's like that old Simpsons clip with like grandpa of like, I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to be that, the creepy was... guy who desperately tries to hang on to those things. Like, I'm going to make a TikTok. That's not creepy. Yeah, I mean, you've already done that, so. 
and I it tried, is creepy. I tried to branch out, but it just yeah, it was I got all my posts got taken down for violating community guidelines. So. Well, you're supposed uh, to keep your pants on. Shove music in, but no, like, like yeah, I was, I you know, obviously I just recently went through all of how I met your mother, and it's like towards the end when Barney's like in his forties after he gets a divorce and he's still trying to hit on 18, 20 year olds. And the gang's like, this is so fucking sad. And I was like, we're going to eventually get to that point to where like, we, we, we don't understand why kids like things they do. Um, Rich and I can't hit on nice young 18, 20 year olds anymore without seeming creepy. Um, can't go to nightclubs, shit like that. Our time is going to come. Yeah. And so we got to enjoy it now. It'll After happen the coronavirus, to you, of course, but <laughs> we're gonna live while, large while we can. The winter is coming. The Loving the roaring twenties so far. Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's roar on out of here. Uh, Boom. Been... <laughs> I was gonna repeat the joke you said privately in chat, but I realized it's... that might be <laughs> all, all the momentum's <laughs> lost now. Oh, well, there's some things I'm worried about that I don't want to get into as far mm-hmm. as. Uh, yeah, um, it's been a fun it's just show. Better not awaken anything. <laughs> it's better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> I too enjoyed the Angry Beavers. Um, thank you for being here, Josh from Michigan. Uh, well, there's there's some there's layers to that joke. They're not good though. I don't want to uh, hear them. Rich from New York. Jo- uh, Josh from Japan. Josh from Japan. Uh, Josh, Josh when did you get to Japan? Josh from Japan. Josh from Michigan and Josh from Montana. Thank the Council of Joshes for being here. <laughs> um, he just replicates his stuff all over. I don't know. I feel like we're just losing it at this point. Um, yeah, let's get out of here. We'll see you next week for an all-new Chomp